Good morning. Welcome on in on this Thursday. What's it? The 27th of January. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. DJ finishing up some time off. I'm PK. Scotty G be joining us here in a couple hours. Well, for now, stop me if you heard this. Uh, Another valiant effort by the Jazz. And guess what? Another loss. They've lost 9 of 11 now. The Suns sweep them in the two-game series. Yeah, I know. Mitchell and Gobert were out. They were out, no doubt about it. And I guess it's going to be continuing to be the same story. We all, all of us can't wait until they get back to full strength. It's got to happen at some point, right? Sooner the better, yeah. All this losing, man. It's an amazing amount of losing that they have had so far. Line of 11, you never would have thought that. But then again, you never would have thought that they'd had such jumbled lineups all over the place. Uh, two games back now, or two games ahead of uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Fun game last night, late game. A little tired today, huh? If you're listening early, either you're tired too, or you didn't watch the whole game. Or maybe you didn't watch any of it. <laughs> well, I did. That's what I do. That's what I'm supposed to do. No problem there. I'll go home, take a nap. I'll be just fine. I'm used to it by now. That's the uh, the one downside of this job, obviously, is having to get up so early every day. And usually it's not that big of a deal. It's just when they have these late games. And the game was an 8 o'clock game for ESPN. started a few minutes afterward. So that's the way it goes. I prefer my late games on Fridays and Saturdays. Maybe they can make a rule just for me. So you look at this game. Went about as, uh, as I thought. Now, my gosh, not at start, man. Devin Booker with 21 points, outscoring the Jazz single-handedly in the first quarter. That was incredible. Jazz only had 18 points in the first quarter. Booker Booker's a player. You know, I always thought he took so much abuse. Well, he just puts up meaningless stats on a lousy team. Okay. What was he supposed to do? Put up no stats on a, a bad team? At least he was putting up stats. Sort of reminds me of Matthew Stafford with the Lions. You know, he wasn't that good of a quarterback. Really? How about now? Maybe he just needed some players around him. And maybe he was really good. I happen to think Stafford was good. And what he's doing now with the Rams, who's surprised? I know I'm not. If I'm betting, which I don't, but if I am, I'm picking Stafford to go to the Super Bowl with his Rams. Not that he's going to be the sole reason by any stretch, but... Sometimes you have to look beyond, and I always thought Booker took some abuse. It's like he scored about 70 points against the Celtics. I think it was a former Jazz guy, Earl Watson, was the coach, and they were feeding him just to get the points. And it's almost like because he scored all those points that he became a target, a focal point of guys who score a bunch of points and don't mean anything because the team doesn't win. Well, the Suns for a decade stunk, and I don't know that it was his fault. And now we're seeing he's still scoring a lot, but somehow it's not as shallow or hollow. It's because the team around him is really good. I mean, you look at what they did. They're, they were missing two starters, Crowder and Aiton, and McGee, their backup center. But old Biombo comes in, plays well enough. Now, that's not the strength of their team. Obviously, the guard line. I think you have to admit, Chris Paul and Booker, best starting guard combination in the league. Who do you got that's better? I realize Conley and Mitchell made both made the All-Star team last year, but that was a different time for the Jazz. Now, not saying that they're worse by any stretch, but maybe 
Maybe they're not. They're certainly not as good as in the regular season. I don't think any of us can argue that. And we look toward the playoff. That's what we got now, right? I mean, that's where you got to go with this. You got to look towards the postseason, right? And figure that they're going to have their guys, and then we'll see what happens. For whatever reason, man, maybe it's just a jumbled lineup and I'm caught up in the moment. But certainly to me, the team doesn't look as good. Although on paper going into the season, I thought it was better. And, and maybe in a month when we get to that point with guys playing. I mean, this is the same team that was uh, won 16 out of 13. 16 out of 13. How about we go the other way? 13 out of 16. That's, that, uh, that makes sense, right? Just uh, a little while back, and then everything everything has gone to pot with the injuries. And, and some of the times it just set out guys. I don't know, maybe that could have made a little bit of a difference. Probably not. But nevertheless, the Suns are rolling, man. You got to give it up to them. Booker with, what do you have? What do you finish with? 43 points in the 105-97 win. Jazz now dropped to, uh, what are they, 30 and 18, 30 and 19, something like that. Suns, man, continue to roll. You've got to give them credit. So we'll hit that. It's sort of the same song and dance over and over again, right? It's a little bit uh, hard to break it down and take it seriously until they get all their dudes. And then we'll be able to make an evaluation. I think what we got is an an evaluation of University of Utah basketball. They went up to Washington State and just got obliterated. Tried to watch some of that game, but man, it was tough. They're just not that good. Not that good at all. As they fall to what, 1-10 in in the conference? You know, I didn't think they were going to be that good, but I thought that maybe they could stay a little closer with Washington State. But Washington State really drilled them. I think the big surprise of the night was your Utah State Aggies. How about that? San Diego State's one of the better teams. Aggies came in at 1-5, 10-9. And and San Diego State battling for first place in the Mountain West Conference. The Aggies took it to them. you got to give them credit. They played well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, you look at the Center State. I mean, they came in at eleven four three and two. Excuse me, three and one, three and two now. So it's a big win for them. Get them some momentum. You know, I don't think they're going to get that large bid by any stretch of the imagination. But Odom in his first year, much like Smith down at Salt Lake, you're trying to build something. And that's about the best you could hope for. And the you know Aggies lost a bunch of guys, obviously, and got a couple transfers. So nice win for them. You gotta you gotta give them credit. All right, obviously we'll hit that basketball. We also got football to talk about. Football is a big topic. NFL playoffs, and we'll have our guy Lincoln Kennedy joining us in about an hour and fifteen minutes. Former NFL player, analyst for the Raiders, be able to break down, see what he knows. Now he's he's tough. Tied into the Raiders, obviously. And hearing about uh, Jim Harbaugh, would he be interested in taking over the Raiders job? What do you think? Would that be something that he'd be interested in? He's a big name. Had some success first time around in the NFL. And was pretty good at Michigan last season. So we'll talk to Lincoln right around 7.30. And then I said, as I said, about 8 o'clock, Scotty G will help me out as DJ's out. So stay with us. What we're going to do now, we're going to talk to Steve Klauke because... Almost 30 years into it, the franchise that was the Buzz, the Bees, and the Stingers 
They've got their first legitimate baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah, David Ortiz played for the Buzz way back when, when he was with Minnesota, when he was part of the Minnesota Twins organization. Steve Klauke has a some insight into David Ortiz, and he'll share a funny story with us. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Good morning. Welcome on in. We got the announcement that David Ortiz is going to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's got big-time numbers, big-time winner, won the World Series three times with Boston, was uh, the spiritual leader of the Red Sox. Well, he used to play for the Buzz, and Steve Klauke, who is been, has been the longtime radio announcer, for the franchise through the three different names and the two different affiliations. He tells us about Mr. Ortiz when he was with the buzz. Here we go. DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Now here is joining as, as our local baseball excerpt, expert and Grateful Dead groupie Steve Klauke. Steve, good morning. I'm grateful to be alive <laughs> at my age. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe it, man. You're you're you're, you're like what are you? Eighty two now? Um, I'll be sixty seven <laughs> this weekend. So yes, still this weekend. Well, happy birthday! Thank yeah, you. way to go. <laughs> I right. made it that far. Yeah, well, there you actually, go. I haven't yet, but we'll see. Oh, you know, and curse yourself like Betty White, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she didn't curse herself. It was all Somebody the magazines did. that yeah, yeah. were celebrating her 100th birthday. Yeah, yeah, a month before. Although that would be awesome if you lived a, a life uh, like she lived. That's Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, she was an all-time treasure. So they put in uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, mm-hmm. and he is a former buzz man, right? I mean, if I remember correctly... The buzz and all with the stadium and the great ballpark that's still going strong. It started in time for the 94 season. Is that accurate? That is correct. And uh, we were a Minnesota affiliate through the 2000 season, and David played a handful of games in 97 and in 98, but spent the entire season in 1999 here in Salt Lake uh, with a September call-up later. And he, 30 home runs, 110 runs batted in the 30 homers was a team record for a left-handed hitter until Jared Walsh broke it two years ago with, with 36. He had you know, 35 doubles, like I say, 110 runs batted in. And uh, the, the problem for David at that point was, I think it was only five games the entire season where he DH'd. He was at first base the entire year and set a franchise record that'll never be broken. And that's 20 errors in one season at first base. I mean, that's almost, that's almost impossible to do. He's not exactly Keith Hernandez over there at, uh, at the fir- no, first base. No, play. no, no. And, and so I think that's why he <laughs> fell out of favor uh, with Minnesota. Of course, it didn't help that that year when he got called up, he went 0 for 20 at the plate. But uh, Tom Kelly, the longtime Twins manager, didn't like DHs. He wanted to use the DH spot as maybe a half day off for his gotcha. regular lineup. And so, uh, you know, the, David really never had a chance to be successful with Minnesota. The best thing to happen to him was when the Twins released him. He ended up going to the Boston Red Sox where he had such a stellar career. Yeah, I saw that he has spent the most uh, percentage of his time as a DH. I think they said 88% mm-hmm. of his time was as a DH. I mean, occasionally Boston would use him in, in a National League park where there was no DH. Uh, they'd use him at first base, but uh, for the most part, it was safe for all concerned to be uh, at the <laughs> at the DH spot. But he was a he was a fun guy when he was in Salt Lake uh, before he was the big poppy. He was known as the Big O. 
uh, with all due respect to uh, Oscar Robertson. And uh, <laughs> I guess my favorite uh, Ortiz story was one time he was taking batting practice, stopped what he was doing, and uh, put his bat down on home plate, started to walk around the batting cage, and nobody had any idea what he was doing. Well, it turns out he walked straight up to me, took his hat off, put it on my head, and said, here, the glare's bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because you're a little follically challenged? Exactly. That's, that's the correct term that I use, follically challenged. <laughs> so he's always been a big personality then? Absolutely, absolutely. And he just, you know, the, uh, the Red Sox fans fell uh, you know, in love with him right away. Of course, uh, uh, you know, the 2004 home run that extended that ALCS that led to the greatest comeback in postseason history uh, for the Red Sox over the Yankees. And you know, that just endeared him for the rest of his career. And he had that great personality he had the you know the profane uh, retort uh, in his uh, in the Red Sox comeback after the bombing situation yeah. uh, in the uh, Boston Marathon and uh, and that just endeared him even more and uh, I don't know of in, in in our last 20 years or whatever a guy who had more clutch hits than anybody else uh, in Major League Baseball and of course uh, it, it's interesting I was looking at his numbers he actually led the major leagues in doubles his last year as a player. Doubles and runs batted in, but the doubles thing really surprised me. Because he's not fleet of foot? Well, I, I just I can, I can see David stretching a lot of doubles into singles. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm wondering, uh, you and I have talked to baseball with you many times over the years. We're a couple of baseball guys. Uh, the only difference is I like going to concerts more, and I've gravitated towards soccer, and you've resisted both. Other than you that, other than other than that, we're <laughs> we're like brothers from different mothers. I mean, it's just right there. So you know, in my conversations with you over the years, you've been able to say, okay, this guy's going to be this and that, and so forth, and you're accurate and basically in your predictions. I'm wondering if you foresaw any of this, or what did you foresee for David Ortiz going forward after? he was done with his minor league stints. It's interesting, PK, because uh, I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday about that. It's just, I, there's no way in the world I thought that. I thought he was maybe maybe even just going to be a 4A player, a guy who puts up great numbers in the minor leagues, but not in the majors, because he hadn't shown anything with Minnesota, and particularly after that big 1999 season with us going over 20 uh, in, in the big leagues, I thought, okay, well, we'll probably see him again in 2000. Well, he did spend a couple of years in the big leagues with Minnesota, never coming back to the minor leagues before he ended up with Boston. So, no, I had no idea that... Uh, that was going to be what, what kind of a future that David Ortiz was going to have, let alone a Hall of Fame career. So he was another, what was it, uh, you thought he might be another Bernardo Burrito? Yes, I absolutely. absolutely. That's a good uh, correlation there. I think, uh, you know, Bernardo was a guy, maybe he never got the chance he deserved as a designated hitter uh, in the Twins organization, and it was his own fault that he never left the Twins organization because he kept re-signing with Minnesota because he loved playing for uh, the buzz owner, Joe Buzis, uh, partially because... He would pay him under the table, uh, I think five hundred dollars for every home run that he hit, and a thousand dollars if it was a grand slam or a game winner. Uh, Joe Buzis, the Bill Veck of minor league baseball. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that name. Those were uh, those were some good names. Now, Steve Clarkie joining us. Uh, obviously, uh, Mike Trout spent what three weeks here, yes. and then and we we knew he was destined for stardom. The for 
before he even got here, right? So seeing what he's doing is not a surprise. So he's most likely going to go in the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm wondering, has there been another player, any other player, not necessarily just like an injury rehab, mm-hmm. but spent any fair amount of time here that is in the Hall of Fame? No, uh, the only one that ever has prior to David was uh, an injury rehab guy, like you said. Paul Molitor played two games for us in 1998 down in Tucson and went uh, five for ten at the plate. But uh, no, nobody else uh, uh, in this franchise's uh, history has made it to the Hall of Fame. And you know, I, I don't know that uh, there's anybody. I mean, I guess the closest guy that could get there but probably won't would be Tory Hunter. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know if it's done, but should they retire David Ortiz's number with the with the bees? I'd be curious to see which one because I think he wore primarily he wore twenty three in, 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 in a buzz uniform. And by the way, if, if, if people want to see it on YouTube, there's actually a, um, uh, this has been on YouTube for many many years. The uh, uh, I think it was KSL put together a, a David Ortiz Buzz highlight package, and it was uh, it was pretty interesting to watch. He was uh, he was definitely skinnier back then. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, good point. <laughs> Steve Cloudy joining us, and we know that right now there's a lockout. Can you explain what effect that will have on minor league baseball, particularly AAA with the Bees? Well, the good news is that there's no effect uh, in regards to the games being played. Uh, the, the minor league schedule will begin as uh, it is right now on April the 5th with the Bees opening in Tacoma. The only effect that there will be is that 40-man roster players won't be allowed to play. Now, I really think lockout would be done by then, but just in case it's not. So that would cost... Salt Lake, maybe six or seven players, five or six players, something like that. And maybe guys who would normally be a double-A would be playing a triple-A. But as far as uh, uh, the games themselves, they will definitely uh, be played. Yeah, that's true. We're extending it now. That's... uh... Gosh, we get past uh, into April, and they haven't settled these things. There's a bunch of knuckleheads at that point. Exactly, uh, exactly. Of course, the, the one thing that's going to be very interesting, I, don't want, I haven't heard uh, uh, your opinion on this, but uh, Salt Lake is going to be one of the, I think, 10 or 11 uh, AAA ballparks in which there will not be uh, home plate umpires calling balls and strikes. They'll be there to call uh, safer out at the plate and check swings and all that. But uh, Salt Lake's going to be one of the uh, 10 or 11 ballparks where we're going to have robo-umpires. So they're going to have uh, lasers or whatever uh, around the ballpark, and they're going to determine what pitches a ball and what pitches a strike. I have to see how it goes. You know, I think that baseball needs to make some changes to quote-unquote modernize itself. Uh, for for fans, I mean, you look at what the NFL and NBA has done because ultimately, it I always put particularly at the pro level and and baseball, minor league, professional, uh, major league that that is pro baseball either way. So to me, it's first and foremost entertainment. I know for some folks, uh, particularly those involved, it's about winning, it's about competition. Uh, but for me, it's about entertainment. And if you can make the game more entertaining, now don't make it a joke. I'm not saying that, but if you can make it more entertaining. I'm all for it, whatever those changes might be. And so uh, I want to reserve judgment. You know, I I think that instant replay has taken away to a large degree the uh, histrionics of Earl Weaver going out, turning the cap back, and just 
spitting, flying everywhere, going face to face with umpires. And and from a from a fan standpoint, that was always highly entertaining to see Billy Martin. You know, you what's he going to do? You don't want it to get physical. I think Pete Rose had, had uh, kind of pushed an umpire once, right? But you know, the throwing of the uh, the dirt on the home pl- on home mm-hmm. plate, people view that as entertaining. Now you can get carried away, chucking bases, or the, what was there one minor league dude who was out there uh, crawling like he was yeah, in yeah, the military or something? Uh, yeah, he was uh, yeah. crawling like he was an infantryman yeah, and yeah. throwing a, a rosin bag <laughs> like it was a grenade. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, PK, because with all the technology that they have and setting this up with the robo umpires and all that, why is it in football we still rely on two guys with a 10-foot-long chain to determine first downs? Yeah, 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 and spotting, spotting of the ball. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but at the same time, if it's fourth down and, and inches, what did you get? You feel a surge of a jolt of energy go through the crowd, right. you know, as they stretch that thing out, and you're trying to judge it. No matter if you're at home or you're in the stands, you're trying to judge wherever you might be, and it adds to the drama of the sport. So again, that, so in that situation, the entertainment value is greater than it would be getting it right. Yes, and for me, who normally doesn't care, I don't have an NFL team. Uh, I'm just I want to be entertained. Like last week, I was entertained. I mean, I was entertained right. off the charts. Uh, and no matter, it doesn't matter to me who wins. I, to me, I view it as going to movie. I want to be entertained, and that, and that that portion of it is entertainment. So I have to see before yeah. you get out of here. Obviously, the 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 guys, the Bonds, Clemens, uh, Schilling. I think Sosa's sort of out there in no man's land. Mm-hmm. But those other three, you know, they were more pillars of the game. Their 10-year tour of being on the writer's ballot is over. Uh, your thoughts? I, I, you know, I, it's, it's interesting with, with those guys because I think all of them, maybe not so much Schilling, but certainly Bonds and Clemens, these guys, before they allegedly started uh, using steroids, they had Hall of Fame careers. I guess Bonds was enamored with the home run, uh, much like A-Rod was enamored with the home run instead of put, just putting up great overall numbers. And Clemens had great numbers. Now, obviously, maybe the steroids helped Roger have the amount of success he had late in his career and all that. Uh, I guess it's one of those things, uh, not everybody used it, but there was a, a vast majority, you have to think, uh, were using it. So they were... From a competition standpoint, it was fairly level. So, you know, maybe slap their hands and, and not vote them in on the first ballot or the second or whatever. But I think in the long run, they eventually deserve it. And uh, and even with Pete Rose, I think he deserves to uh, be in the Hall of Fame because everything that he was accused of and convicted of came as a manager and not as a player. Uh, don't let him back in baseball. Just let him be in the Hall of Fame. So I think those guys eventually will get in, maybe not Pete, but the events. Uh, I'll be curious to see, though, how the Veterans Committee handles all this because they, they've kind of been staunch anti-steroid right. users. You know, obviously, David was accused of it one time, and the, and the one time he tested positive, that test was thrown out as invalid. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thought is that I was listening to Harold Reynolds talk, and he was saying that the, the one thing he thought steroids did is baseball. It's about what you do when you're gassed. 
You know, when you when you enter the mm-hmm. season, everyone's fresh and so forth. But w- when we get into late July, August, and he felt that that's where the steroids really kicked in and the advantages because uh, at that point you got injuries, you got fatigue, you don't even know what city you're in, you're traveling all the time, blah blah blah. And he felt like that could put guys over the edge. As I look back at that error, it's like everybody looked the other way, and now all of a sudden we're going to look straight at him and say, "How dare you?" Well, let's put it this way, PK. The guy who oversaw the whole thing and hit it was in, is in the Hall of Fame, Bud Selig. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, uh, to get by the dog days of July and August and September, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, right. it was greenies. So right. uh, some, there was some sort of enhancement used all throughout the history of baseball. And it's basically been looked the other way in, in the other sports. So I don't know why the attention, maybe it's because baseball historically is so statistics-driven right, that right, people right. Uh, uh, look at it differently than they do. And uh, Because I'm sorry, but guys who are 6'4", 310 pounds on a football field shouldn't be running a four four six forty. I'm sorry, that's that's just not physically right. Yeah, that's what they were talking about on Baseball Network too. The problem with Bonds is he broke arguably, maybe unarguably, the most sacred record, individual record of all of sports, and he broke it by someone who was viewed as the ultimate statesman of the game, and obviously I'm talking about the home run record. So they were they were sort of surmising that if he would have just hit like 710 home runs, mm-hmm. maybe he'd have a better chance <laughs> well, to get in. You, you think he would have gotten in had he had the same uh, outgoing, friendly personality as David Ortiz? And he certainly didn't have that. He was, no. And the thing about him is that I was going to the same university that he was going to at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And I knew guys. And they were talking about that then. Little <laughs> <laughs> so, thoroughly around campus. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guys live, I live right next door to guys on the team. And and they were talking. I got to know them because I mean, I, and I went. I had been a big ASU baseball fan since the time I was 15 years old, and so I'd, I'd I would oh, they had the weekend series, and I would be there at least two of the three games. Maybe not the Friday night because I had to work, but I would be there Saturday and Sunday every home series. So I was a huge fan, and those guys were my guys. And so I had heard about that stuff, and certainly, yeah, that played in. And, and we got to go to break, and I, I wish I could keep you more because it's the same thing with Schilling. I just don't know that I want these writer types, these voters, to be arbiters of morality. Right. I feel a little uncomfortable. Even though I don't, I, Schilling is out there. I mean, he's way out there. There's Very no way so. I got that stuff going on in my life. I mean, I, I want to be way far more down the middle than he's ever been. But yet, I look at him, who do I want to give the ball to with the game on the line? Uh, in my lifetime, I mean, I, I'm, I don't remember Koufax and those guys, but guys that I've seen, Schilling has got to be right at the top. Yeah, there's a few uh, right there, obviously, uh, I guess in my lifetime, since I am older, I I think for me it starts and stops with Bob Gibson. Of course, Gibson, yeah, but I I never saw him. Well, I, I did, and he, right. was, he was fun to watch. Oh, I saw the stats, yeah, and, and, and he was unbelievable, no doubt about it. So all time, but I'm talking about, you know, in the 70s, 80s, right, and 90s. Right. I mean, Schilling is, I think there's something, there should be something for that, but I guess we'll see what the Veterans Committee do. Exactly. Does. All right, that was our man, Steve Clocky. He also does Weber State. They got a big game tonight against Northern Colorado, and they've got an opportunity to win the regular season. In the big sky, for sure. 
Randy Ray's got another good team. He's had a bunch over the years. Coming up next, we'll get you the best of the Jazz postgame show right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Well, the Jazz go down again. Welcome on in on this Thursday morning. The Jazz lose 105-97. to Here's Jake Scott authoring what he does after every game, the best of the Jazz postgame show right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your final uh, from last night, the, the uh, Suns beat the Jazz 105-97. to uh, The Jazz uh, got off to a really slow start. Phoenix outscored them in the first quarter, 39-18. The Jazz battled back in the second, actually went into halftime only down two. Um, fought hard in the fourth quarter to get it back uh, within two. Uh, costly foul uh, and then a technical foul by Hassan Whiteside and uh, basically put the game out of reach from there and the Jazz end up losing 105-97. So let's get some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. What I saw was um, Booker had 21 first half or first quarter points um, where we didn't run back with um, the level of commitment and intensity that it takes to win the game. We fouled and gave up six points. We gave up three on an offensive rebound and we were down 20. Um, to me, you know, our ability to focus and prioritize those collective things that ultimately win and lose games. You know, we can talk about a play, you know, how we executed something, how they executed something. We can talk about what a good player Devin Booker is, that Chris Paul is a clutch player. We could also talk about the fact that we were down 20 and just battled back. Mike Conley spilled his guts on the court. Like anybody that watched that game, if you watched every possession, the way he was getting bumped and held, knocked down, got back up, fought, competed. But we gave up, you know, we gave a 20-point lead up in the first quarter because we weren't focused on the things that we need to be focused on to win. And we, and then we do. So um, this is a group that and, and we have to find that. And then we can talk about what's the question? Hassan's foul. You know, there was a lot of fouls. You know, Hassan's got to keep, you know, he's got to keep self-control. And it's unfortunate. But we also had other situations throughout the course of the game. That's something that, you know, us talking to the officials and pleading our case, we didn't do that when we were coming back. You know, we played through contact. We adjusted to the way the game was going to be calling. And, you know, anytime you know, there, there's mental errors in the game and guys have to keep their cool. I don't know what else to say about it. I have to watch the play, Tony. Generally keep the boss line or whatever it's going to go one of two directions they can keep going down. That's, that's not even, yeah, I mean, like, we're not going, we're going one direction. You know, and it's not down. Like, I could be angry and we can be disappointed, and, but, you know, we, we talked about it all, you know, we can have it either way, whatever we want to focus on. The best record in the league, lost in the playoffs, you know, seventh seed in the playoffs, winning the playoffs. 
I'll say it again. I want us to be the best version of ourselves at the end of the year. And who knows what's going to happen. We're playing without Rudy Adonis right now. You know, like, that doesn't mean we can't run back. You know, unless Rudy and Donovan come back and don't run back, you know. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, this isn't about winning and losing. This is about, you know, committing to the things consistently that allow you to win. And I guess in that case, it is winning and losing. And you'll win, you know, we had a chance to win tonight's game, you know, even down 20. So, you know, they're obviously, you know, Booker had a, really good night you know we we had we 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 weren't up enough in certain situations where he was able to get clean looks that weren't contested in the mid-range you know and that's it's a game plan issue but it's an execution issue and we've got to clean that up you know but i have confidence that we can do those things but it's the same level of commitment and focus and it's not you know we're not this isn't like chicken little the sky is falling like i i don't you know you go through check our record when rudy and mike are playing you know i mean i I don't i don't think anybody can look at and i don't even know what it is you know i don't know i know what month it is i know we're playing memphis and then minnesota and that's about it and that's really all i care about what we do next game and i care that we compete because that's how we get better and we didn't compete the first portion of the game and then we competed like crazy i mentioned mike you know we had guys that dug in so um and both can be true at any given time you just can't you're gonna have it's a game of mistakes there's gonna be breakdowns but it's what you do with them and how you respond to them and we can't you know we can't have stretches that you know that that bury us like that early and you know you're just not gonna it may come back and steal one, but you know, that's, that's not going to be, and that, that's not, you know, to the extent that's something that um, we fought, I think we've made progress there, you know, I think, but we, we need to make more. Well, you know, I hate to, you know, Rudy's pretty good and Donovan's pretty good. So, you know, I, I don't know what we shot. I, I thought there were times, Andy, when we didn't take, like, didn't take shots that we need to shoot and the ball stops. And against the team that's as physical as they are, that takes your space once you do that, unless you make a quick decision to pass it or drive it, you know, possession's going to die. You're going to be stuck on one side of the floor. Um, and, you know, we know that there's, you know, it's not golf. Someone's not like knocking your ball out of the hole. You know, you've got to, you've got to react to what they're doing and they're trying to not let you do something and we're trying to do it. And, if we don't, you know, get those quick decisions against a team that has that type of length, you know, Mikhail Bridges, I don't know if, like, I don't know if you, you guys will vote. Is he first team all defense? Probably. But, you know, 
so you gotta shoot and that's something you know that we know as well it's not it's not always that easy i could sit here and say it but you got a six eight guy closing out on you like that it's a you know it's imperfect but um you know i think when the ball stops because of some level of indecision you know that really hurts us would be would be the answer when we were able to get out and push and play pick and roll and get the space we need you know mike got in the lane a lot got knocked down a lot too Hmm. We keep working. You know, I'm not thinking of it. We'll think about the guys that are out there. And when those guys are back, you know, not that you're not thinking about them, but it doesn't it doesn't do us any good to lament that and say, okay, well, you know, when we get healthy, when we get, you know, there's that, that's part of an NBA season, and, you know, and I'm not, you know, however I sound, I'm not like, I would have liked to play better, but, you know, we've got a team that's um, capable and I believe in them, which is part of the reason that, you know, that there's frustration from all of us that those things can, we can allow some of those things to happen. And, um, you know, as I said, the best version of ourselves at the end of the year. It's not that the regular season doesn't matter, but these types of games, you know, need to make us better. And that, that's, it's really what you do with it, you know. So what we do with this one is learn from it and, you know, learn from the fact that we're down 20 and we battle back. I mean, it, it, you got to take the good with the bad, you know. So it's not all bad. You know, a lot of good. But the thing about there's certain things you can control. Yeah. You know, those are that that that's where we want to put our focus. You know. So what else? This will more five player than I get. But do you feel like there's buy-in from everyone on the Yeah, you know, we like that's a we can go down that like road, you know, like, have I lost the team? Yeah. I mean, you know, what is buying, you know, like, yeah, it was total buying, you know, just guys want to be good, you know, and some of it is, you know, there's an expectation when guys come back, you know, that, you know, you're just going to kind of keep doing what you, you know, it's different here. You know, it's, so you gotta gotta work, but as far as buying goes, like no, you just have, you know focus, you know putting importance on certain things, like you know that that's that, that's not not necessarily buying. I don't think anybody will kind of you know, you'll go talk to those guys. No one's we're on the same page, you know, and you want to do it. And I, I mean, for that matter, like those are things we've done, you know, of, you know, I don't know of late and we've been down guys, you know, I mean, you could write the story that Donovan and Rudy are out, you know, like that actually matters, but you know, it doesn't matter right now because we want to win. And there's things that we can do to win that, that we didn't do. You know, we did them and then we did do them. So just do them more, keep working. You know, we said, you know, the sky's not falling, but that doesn't mean that we're accepting something either. I don't think that's 
Am I making any sense? Okay. There's Coach Quinn Snyder, a little bit of an edge. Uh, not happy with Devin Booker scoring 21 in the uh, first quarter on his way to scoring a game-high 43. Not pleased with the foul. Not pleased with the Jazz not getting back on defense. Let's now get to the players. Uh, let's get to uh, – this is uh, together at the podium, Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> Um, well, you know, like this is teams like we play tonight are games that we look forward to and um, are obviously measuring sticks for, you know, what we need to do and how we need to compete to win uh, and to play at a championship level. And, you know, I want to be where they were at last year. And so I'm just trying to, to bring, you know, as much passion and, and compete as much as I can. You know, I know the guys are too. So, um, you know, I might not be the most vocal person all the time, but, you know, when they, when I get in that mode, everybody knows like, you know, it's time to go and how important it is. So I think that that's kind of, set the tone for you know that second second third fourth quarter and gave us gave we gave ourselves a chance just by our energy level on the line you guys did go down 20 or whatever it was in the first quarter what was wrong initially and then what got fixed in order to bring you guys back uh i think they just got out transition made some uh easy buckets early um but I mean, we made that a, a non-factor uh, in the second half, and you know we had a chance to win the game. Uh, you know, we we saw things that we like defensively uh, playing them. Um, I think we played aggressive um, in that sense. Uh, like I said, we had a chance to win the game. We made changes, we made adjustments. Um, you know, they just they just played well. No, I think that uh, that despite having lost a few of these games, we've been a lot more connected in a lot of different ways. It's just when you see something like a you know a, a blown coverage it's so much more evident now in like everybody's minds because that's what's been hurting us for the last you know first half of the year so now everybody you know is really frustrated by it so it seems like it's happening every single time but in reality we've we've done a lot of good things and as a group we've we've stood together and resilient in a time that you know without Don without really guys in and out of the lineup and you know we're just you know trying to find our way regardless of the situation and um, like I said regardless of the losses I think we're heading in the right direction as far as staying connected we have our lapses here and there but that can come from just guys not we're not used to playing with certain guys and certain guys are using the playing playing in certain minutes late in the fourth or in certain crunch time situations so it's just about um you know once we get it all back together i think you know we'll start to, to feel a little bit better about our stuff Oh uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, every every win matters. Uh, 
you know, we got a we had a chance both uh both games down in Phoenix and in here uh, to get a win. Um, but this with this road stretch, um, we're definitely looking to lock in and, and get these uh, these next ones. Um, but throughout the year, every every win means something to us, and uh, you know, a step. Um, in terms of our process of building and everything, uh, I think that's what it what it is. Uh, he was, you know, continually talking about the things that that are absolutes for us in the sense that, like, you know, boxing out, getting back in transition, like. You either will do it or, or you won't do it. You know, it's it's got it's come it comes down to that. You know, no matter how much film we watch and how many post game talks or how many times we get on each other, eventually, as you know, man to man, we have to hold our own self accountable, and that's kind of his message um, tonight, and it's, and it's been his message the last you know week or so. So um, we just ran into those same issues. You know, we ran into those same issues, and they kind of you know sh- showed real early. You know, with the way that they came out and got in transition and stuff that we could control that um, because at the end of the day, you know, Book's going to hit tough shots. Chris Paul's going to hit tough shots late. We know that, but we can't give them easy stuff, you know, throughout the game to, to you know, put ourselves in a hole. Like, it's fair to say that one of the reasons you can have to lose games and get a different starting lineup and just different rotations every game for so many people are missing. Is it hard to keep that context when you just don't get the victory? You know, you don't get the payoff at the end that there are outside reasons you're losing games. Uh, it for us we don't really look at it like that because I think you know in the years past we've won games without guys and we've we've still been able to play our game um, but you know, we do recognize that guys are out but we, we still believe that we should have you know we could have won a night we could have won it the, the previous night uh, down in Phoenix and there's a bunch of games we should have won so like regardless of that we don't make excuses we go out there with the guys we have and we have full confidence in them and uh, we just have to be better you know, man to man. Yeah, I think um, just the way they compete. You know, those guys are hungry too. Uh, they want to get out there on the floor, play. Uh, they played a, a great game down in Phoenix. They were bring high energy. Um, just for everybody. I know we, we competing and we trying to win. Uh, it goes all the way down the line. Uh, we know we got guys out, but everybody steps up, uh, lays their shoes up, and, and is ready to play no matter what. I think you've seen that in Toronto when kind of everybody was out. You know, they had a chance to win the game there as well. So um, I think all our guys are ready uh, to step in, lace their shoes up, and, and get down. Because I know we be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in Cleveland, uh, I think we went through a little stretch like that. Uh, we went to the finals, but... <clears throat> I think, you know, our team is, is really good. We're really talented. We just got to lock in. And um, I think I keep saying that, but, um, you know, continue to get our guys back, 
you know, same old same, but uh, I think we're really good. That's why it's different. Uh, we know what we have here, uh, and we know we all out there going to compete and trying to win something. And, um, you know, we we lost these games. You know, none of us really got our head down right now. Um, I mean, it sucks. We frustrated. It's, that's part of the game, but um, I think we still got one, one goal, and um, – and one thing on our mind, and that's what it is. And we're going to win these games and keep competing and uh, keep growing as a team. Given that, it seems like starting to start walking in has kind of been kind of a positive refrain, you know, kind of obvious aggressive that you guys have. And then Quinn comes out and says, you know, first quarter tonight, we didn't run in transition. We find ourselves down 20. <laughs> We play our asses off after that, so it's like hard to come back from being that point. What's kind of the, the disconnect in terms of why these stretches of lack of focus keep happening? It's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's different on a nightly basis. I think it's about five guys being, you know, locked in at the same time. I think we have stretches where it's three guys that are doing the right thing and two that are offbeat, four doing the right thing, one that's off. When you're playing against good teams, you can't you can't be disconnected at any point. And I think early in the games, sometimes we we you know we turn it over early and we they, you know they get back out in transition and we not everybody's sprinting. We have three guys sprinting instead of five. Like that stuff happens. We get five guys sprinting in you know the second, third, fourth quarter when we've been down by 15. So we've got to 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 as a as a team turn that switch on. You know, man to man, everybody has to do it, and we can't just be you know two or three guys here and there and, and inconsistent and that's what you get. You get quarters where you get down 20 and you give up 39 the first and then you come back and you make it a game. So, you know, we know how good we are. And at this point in the season, we obviously we'd love to be playing better, but we know we want to be playing our best basketball. And this time's, you know, time right now um, is for, for, for us to grow together. And hopefully, you know, when the, the, the latter part of the year, we're going in the playoffs, we're playing our best ball and, um, and then clicking all cylinders. There's Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. Let's uh, wrap up uh, the, the player sound with Hassan Whiteside. I'm just trying to compete, you know. Um, just trying to come out here and do the best I can. Um, after battling COVID, having a 104 degree fever in the basement for the last two weeks, just trying to come out here and um get back in shape and being away from the team and um, get back out here. You know, um, I guess the number one team in the NBA. You feel like you're not at 100% right now? Hell no. I've been in the basement for 10, <laughs> for 10 days. I'm human. You know, um, you know, um, sweats, hot sweats, um, staying up all night. Um, the only thing I could do is watch TV and sleep. You know, I've been doing that for the last two weeks. Um, sorry we ain't beat the Suns. Um, dude just jumped, got in front of me and just fell over. And that caused bull and I'm I'm not a, I stand on that. You know, um I don't think that was worth a technical, you know, but 
I was like, why would you give me a technical and um in the fourth quarter when it's when it's this you know at this time and, and you know you know it's a it's a competitive game. Guys care. You know, if I didn't care I wouldn't I care, you know. Um I could be with my son right now. He got COVID. Tough out here. There's Hassan Whiteside and uh Hassan uh admitting that uh, he had a rough time with COVID. Hundred and four degree uh temperature in his basement for ten days, couldn't do much, doesn't feel like he's uh back and right quite yet. He actually had a good game despite the foul. Uh, he had 16 points to go along with uh, 11 rebounds and two blocks, but the Jazz come up short, 105-97. to uh, Next uh, broadcast is coming your way. Tomorrow night, the Jazz will be in Memphis taking on the Grizzlies. That game will tip off at 6. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. There you go. It's the best of the Jazz postgame coming up, 7 o'clock hour. Lincoln Kennedy at the bottom of the hour. And in an hour, Scotty G will be joining us. He can talk about that big Utah State win that they had over San Diego State. They were quite excited, as they should be, no doubt about it. Improved to 11-9, and 2-5 in the conference. 7 o'clock hour coming up. Stay with us, 97-5, 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Booker has it at the top of the key against Trent Forrest defensively. Takes one dribble past him, then puts up a left-hand runner left. in the lane and knocked it down right on top of Trent Forrest. Comes Chris Paul into the forecourt, gets a screen from Sticks. Right elbow jumper up and in. Oh, my gosh. Hassan Whiteside literally just ran up on a Suns player and blasted him with the game on the line. And got a technical foul and an offensive foul and just cost the Jazz any chance at all to win this game. Hands to Booker. Dominated the first quarter at 21. He now has 40. He works to his left hand. He swings through. He fires and fades and hits. And Hassan Whiteside just cost the Jazz any chance. Wow. A little critical towards my man, Hassan Whiteside, and justified. What a stupid thing to do. You watch the replay? Go play Sundays, buddy. Come on, man. No other way to say it. We ain't cheerleading now after that. The Jazz lose to the Phoenix Suns, 105-97. to Starters are out. Jazz lost. And Jazz played, and they've lost, and I got one thing to say. I just made that up, man. I got you, <laughs> no, I just told Yacht to have me. Sonny and Sure. Why is that appropriate? It's Groundhog Day. You've all seen the movie Groundhog Day? Doesn't that seem like the Jazz right now? They play. They're missing key guys. They lose. Oh, my gosh. 
I mean, and they're playing competitive games, I guess. If you want to give them that, let's give them that. I've got no problem giving them that. They're 30 and 19 now. They are dropping like my 401k. Maybe they'll get some guys back, particularly the big two. And then we'll see what we got. All right. We'll hit some of that. This morning, they've got a road game tomorrow. Memphis Grizzlies, a team that's ahead of them. We'll see if calf strain Gobert and concussion protocol Mitchell. That's what's the problem, if those guys can overcome that and get back in the lineup. And I certainly don't think they're dogging it by any stretch. It's just the situation that the Jazz are having to face, and they're losing. What are you going to do, as they say? All right. 97.5, the zone. Hashtag NBA. Hornets dissecting the Pacers' defense in the second half, and they will win by 32, 158 to 126. The final, the Hornets set a franchise scoring record. Coffee straight away, screen to his left from Zubats. He drives down the left alley. Coffee whip it far side corner. Bledsoe with a pump fake in the three ball. That's good. Eric Bledsoe. Thomas got lost. He lost the basketball. Loose ball down to Najee. Outlet pass Rivers and another three. Got it again. Austin Rivers with a smooth 20 points and 17. Minutes. Morant around an Adam screen now out to the top. Going to go off the bounce. Has Eubanks at the three-point line. Steps into a three as Eubanks backs away. Hits the front iron the window and goes. Ring it up. Luca right-hand dribble. Bounce pass. Dwight Powell. Wrap-around pass. Right side, Dorian Finney-Smith. Jalen Brunson gives to Luca Inside the paint. The spin move. And he connects. Those are some of your highlights for the night in the NBA. We'll start with how it relates to the Jazz. Memphis is the team ahead of them, and Memphis stays ahead of them. Memphis picks up a game, actually, because they've got no problem beating the Grizzlies. 118, or the Spurs, I should say. The Grizzlies are 33-17. and 17. Jazz are 30-19. and 19. So there you go. Draw, draw Morant, another 41 points, man. He's rocking the free world. Pirtle had a nice game for the Spurs, but they're reversed. They're 18-31, and 31, going nowhere. But at least we get to see somebody who knows how to change the world. I don't know if he can uh, get the team better, but he can fix all the world's problems, that's for sure, especially our countries. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, who are right behind the Jazz, 28-21. and 21. They beat the Trailblazers. Everybody's beating the Trailblazers. Not as bad as the Spurs. Trailblazers still 20-28. and 28. Uh, Brunson had 20 points. Uh, Doncic only had like 15. He had a quiet night. Uh, but the uh, Mavs playing some good ball. Porzingis led them in scoring. He had a nice game. Seems like he's been hurt for about three years. But there you go. The Nuggets. Now you got to give the Nuggets credit, man. All the injuries they've had. Still five games over 500. They beat the watered down Nets. Uh, Jokic, 26 points, 10 boards. It's what he does. Just a phenomenal player. Fun to watch for sure. The Hornets. How about those guys, man? 158 points. They do not have a quarter in which they score less than 33. And in the third and fourth quarters, they go 42. And then in the fourth quarter, they go 45 points. Wow. 158, man. I think that's a franchise record is what I read for them. And they really didn't go off anybody individually. Well, I take that that back. Oubre, Kelly Oubre Jr. had the night of his life. 39 points coming off the bench. Now he's been bouncing around a bunch of different teams. A 10 of 15 from three. 
yeah, retire now, because I don't know that you're ever going to Terrence man that again. And Hayward's out. I think he's got a foot injury. Uh, but they didn't need him, obviously. And our guy, Lamello, a ball. Nice player, man. You got to acknowledge it. We haven't heard much from LeVar lately. Thank goodness. I drove by their community last weekend, Chino Hills. He had 29 points, 13 assists, and 10 boards. Four, five from three. Yeah, way to go. He's a player. They shot 53% from three. They took 45 and made 24. 58% from the field. And that was the night of a lifetime for those guys as a collective unit. How about this? If I would have told you after 49 games that the Cavaliers and the Jazz would have the same record and the Cavaliers would be ahead of the Bucks in the Eastern Conference standings, would you have, as they say up here, would you have bought it? Would you have bought it, Yach? Would have bought it. How about Megs? Was Megs, would she have bought it? <laughs> well, that's true. The Cavaliers and the Bucks square off last night, and the Cavaliers get them 115 to to 99. That, that's that's great to see. You know, when they got LeBron, they're on top of the world, but then he leaves them twice, and you'd think that ah, man, they're going to really struggle. Well, they're not really struggling. They got a young nucleus, and they're playing well. Good for them, and. When they came in here, Donovan Mitchell singled out Garland, right? Said he should make the All-Star team. Didn't he say that? Yeah. There you go. I mean, Mitchell follows the game, obviously. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to that. And uh, Garland playing well. 19-8 and eight for the Cavs. Kevin Love seemed like uh, he was either going to be traded or be hurt. Or maybe just retire. Go out to Oregon and do what they do over there, where he's from. No, he had 25 points, 9 boards. Good for the elder statesmen on that team. It's fun to see some new teams and other guys that maybe you count out. And the small markers, smaller markets anyway, and see their thing. And I think played in that game. He had 26-9. But good on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I like to see it. All right, that's your NBA right here in 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college basketball. Bearstow back to Ashworth. Swings across court to Bean. Bean straightaway three. Yes, sir! Justin Bean! Screen from Dorius. Back to Ashworth for three. Yes! It's rain of threes. Hallelujah! Bean for three. Get in there. No good. Couldn't get it to go. Butler with a rebound. But it stepped out of his hands. The deflection and the steal. Utah State. Idle Rock with the ball. Aggies so great defensively. Down low. Throw down. Dunk. Bearstow all by himself. Aggies up by 13. 68-55. Justin Bean, the distributor, might have broken the back of the Aztecs. Is that like Chance the Rapper, Justin Bean, the distributor? I like it. <laughs> it's raining threes, hallelujah. Scotty's having some fun. Wow, it was a great night at the Spectrum. You know, the Ags had come into this game on a four-game losing streak, right? And they just look like at one and five in the conference. I mean, they're obviously not going to win it. Maybe they can get hot in Vegas, but you know, how bad was it going to get? The San Jose State's on the other end. They were three and one in the conference, eleven and four. Uh, you know, a pretty good team. They usually have a pretty good team, but no, man. 
they got beat. I'm impressed. Flicking back and forth in that game. And the Aggies, they, they, they built that 13-point lead, and then the, the Aztecs came back, and then the Aggies win going away, 75-57. to 57. Justin Bean Bryant didn't have a great shooting night, but he still had a double-double, as he usually does, 13 points, 13 boards. My contention that he's the best player in the state, I stand by it. And little Ashworth, he's a Utah County kid, didn't he? Go to Timview? Lone Peak. Lone Peak. Yeah. Lone Peak. One of the one of the rare Lone Peak that have not gone to BYU. Ashworth. Now he's a pro, right? He went on a mission and all that yeah. stuff. Yep. Yeah, he's a smaller dude. Five of ten. That's seventeen points. Five assists. Plays thirty-seven minutes. Uh, Jones was out. I think he's in concussion protocol, so that opened up some more time. And Ashworth play, playing well. And I look at the prep standings. What about old Lone Peak? They're like a one-four in their region. What happened? I thought they were a dynasty. How the mighty have fallen. Oh, it's so good to see, isn't it? No, just just teasing. Relax. <laughs> are you calling them Lone Peak Tech? What were you calling them? BYU Alpine. That's what it was, right? <laughs> yeah, when they had everybody going yeah, and they BYU were going to go. To, yep. They were going to go to multiple Sweet Sixteens and they went to Zipola. Not one. Not two. <laughs> oh, nice. You're going LeBron the other way. Ah, well, you got all caught up in that. Speaking of that. The uh, Utes, they go down in defeat. Played at Washington State. They got blown out, basically. Nine straight. Yeah. What are they, one in ten in league? What the heck they beat? I can't even remember. Was it Cal? Was it? I don't remember. I'd have to look that up. And with Nerd Boy here, I uh, lose my guy who just looks up random stuff to entertain himself. So I don't know. But they fall again. Uh, I tried to watch some of that game, but it got away. Uh, didn't really work for me. I mean, they're 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 in a reload. Re- they're in a bigger rebuild than I thought. I mean, did not have much expectation for them this year. And Smith was juggling his lineup. Carlson came back. I did see that. And some guys who'd been getting more time, Batten and, and Jenkins. It was Calvin. They beat Cal. Good for, good for them. Maybe they get. I still think they can get a couple more wins, but most likely their season will end in about uh, six weeks on that Wednesday in Vegas, and then Craig Smith will go to work and try to rebuild this team as quicker, quicker than maybe he thought he needed. Because when he went into this season, he was talking about how he had success at at North Dakota, was it, or was it South Dakota? South Dakota. And then some other place he'd been before that, never heard of it. And at Utah State, you know, they were surprised that first year. And I get what he was trying to do, put a spin on it, but it didn't work. They're not going to do that this season. Tonight, we got the Weber State Wildcats in a big sky game against Northern Colorado. It's at 6 p.m. You can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. I don't have ESPN Plus, but I know Yach does. So if you want to go over to his house, he'd be more than happy to Come have on by. you. Just uh, direct message me or uh, email me, and I'll give you his address, and he'll be waiting for you for sure. I'll get the hors d'oeuvres ready. Yeah, that's a tough word to spell. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> that <there>. is. <laughs> now, this is an important game as far as the regular season because you got Weber State sitting there at 7-1 and, and Northern Colorado sitting there at 5-1. and one. 
So obviously, that's the first and second place team because then you got both Montana's and SUU. All three of those teams have two losses. So that'll be an interesting game. Now the the Cats, they're fourteen and five. Uh, the Bears of Northern Colorado, they're only ten and eight. But that doesn't matter. It's it's far, as far as the Big Sky and who can win the regular season. The Cougs play, of course. They play. Santa Clara. Santa Clara is one of these classic, as I see it, West Coast Conference teams to where, hey, that wouldn't be so bad to go to school in Santa Clara. I've been up there many times to their campus. It's nice. It's beautiful. It's right below Stanford. It's BYU's first trip there since 2018. Yeah, because they've, uh, Mark Few complained, so they're not playing everybody in the conference every single year in a home and away like they had traditionally done. So, uh, but they don't really ever have uh, a team that you care about. I mean, they're 2-2 two and two in the league, 12-7 and seven overall, so they're not bad. But the Cougars got a chance to go 18-4, and four, and I don't know, what can you say, keep pace with Gonzaga? I don't think they're going to beat Gonzaga. They got Zin, Zin, like Gonzaga in, what, uh, nine days? Yeah, a week from Saturday. At uh, Marriott Center. I'm sure that place will be rocking. And would like to see the Cougs uh, find a way to win their games uh, until then, which I think they will. They're playing good ball, good enough ball anyway. UVU versus Chicago State. Now that BYU game in Santa Clara is nine o'clock. Man, so dang late. You got to get up early on ESPNU and UVU going to Chicago State six p.m. All right, that's your college hoop right here with DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Obviously a really good team. If you want to do the things that we want to do, that's a team that you're going to have to beat every single year. You know, the AFC has run through them for, for four straight years. So, you know, we're excited about the opportunity. Like if they're like, you know, you got to decide right now, right yeah. this second if you're playing next year. I, I would say no right now. It's two days after the season. I'd be like, no, I'm not playing. Like way too soon. But like you got to give us some time. You got to rest. I would say to see how everything goes, you know, how everything plays out. Well, we'll start with the latter. That's uh, Gronkola talking about what he wants to do. Gronkola? Yeah. All right. (laughs) Is he going to play? Is he going to retire? Saying if it's right now, he's talking about retiring. He's already retired once, I guess, right? He did. Sat out for an entire season. Yeah. And that was uh, two seasons ago. And then he came back last year and obviously won the Super Bowl. Uh, See where he's at. Seems like uh, he enjoys playing, but I, I wonder how much of his future is tied into Brady's. It is. No, there's absolutely no doubt. Because then what do they do at quarterback? I have no idea what they would do at quarterback if Tom Brady does not come back. And Brady, it did seem like in his comments, were the strongest we've seen as far as being aligned with retirement. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to retire, but it seemed like before all those years and he's been playing so long now obviously that as he got older it was telling you how much he wanted to play beyond what we thought possible you know 41 42 43 so forth now at 44 and maybe it was in the it was the next day but still the loss lingers and that was a tough loss for them i mean we thought that, that we thought that that was overtime right and we thought that the uh, Bills were going to win, neither of which happened. The other team coming back with the game-winning field goal and then the uh, 
KC with the game tying field goal and winning in overtime. And that's Joe Burrow talking about facing the Chiefs. You know, Joe Burrow, we'll have Lincoln Kennedy on in about 10 minutes. Get uh, his thoughts, NFL dude, all the way for sure. You know, Burrow, there's two words that I look at him as I describe him right now. Well, I'll run this by Lincoln. He's hot and he's cocky. And that's a dangerous combo. I mean, my senior year on the weekends at ASU, I was hot and I was cocky. Now, the only reason I was hot is because it's 107 degrees, obviously, right? I mean, that's why I was hot. But you were pre-med <laughs> on Friday nights, as we're all aware. Yeah, and that sometimes, you know, depending on my success, that would linger into early Sunday morning. So, you know, so, you know we can see on that. But Burrow is hot and he is cocky. And Gronk's only 32 years old, man. It doesn't seem like he's just older than that. Seems like it. He's taken a lot of hits, though. Over yeah, the years. yeah. I mean, he's a. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, he's got enough money. So, what do we got here? Todd McShay. Oh, I read this yesterday. Yeah. Pat Mahomes changing the way Todd McShay scouts for quarterbacks in the draft. Yes, Mahomes has poor pocket discipline. The PPD. He still drifts, weaves, and bails out. I, I mean, that does sound like me on Friday night at Arizona State. I drifted, I weaved, and I bailed out many times. Let me tell you. I'm out. Later it got in the evening. The more I was drifting, the more I was weaving, the more I was bailing out. You get to like 3, 4 in the morning, boom, I totally bailed out, that's for sure. And yet he still at times throws off balance, leaning away and from different arm slots. He does do that. I love the arm slot stuff because... That means you're making something out of nothing almost, you know, so to speak. He can do so many amazing things while facing irregular situations with his body contorted. I've tweaked the way I scout QBs in the years since, looking at the final result of the throw a little bit more than I had in the past. Footwork, pocket presence, and the tidy throwing motion all matter a great deal, but a quarterback's ability to find success even when the process isn't right is extremely important. That is so true. And I can, I've spoken to college guys who, in town who are responsible for coaching quarterbacks and scouting quarterbacks. And I've, I've told them, I've asked them, how do you know? Because you go in these high school situations now, and a lot of these kids have all-star teammates. So they basically have all-star players and teams where you get guys that, you know, you get seven, eight, ten guys that are all difference makers, not in the boundary. And they're coming from other places. And then we had Riley Jensen on the other day talking about, well, yeah, John Beck, when he's working with Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, he's not working with them in real football situations. You know, he's working with them on a seven-on-seven or individually, whatever it might be. It's not totally pure football. So how in the world do you judge them? And Ludwig's talking about how it's important to see them in person. You must do that. Um... Aaron Roderick, too, because it seems like it's tricky. Like, if we knew then what we know of Zach Wilson, I mean, he would have been offered by everybody. You know what I mean? Who wouldn't have offered him? And the Wilson thing, kind of talking about what Mahomes does, well, Zach probably got a bump in some ways due to what he can do with his arm slot and the ability to kind of throw off kilters they're talking about. Right. Analyzing and scouting quarterbacks, man, it is so tough. So I can appreciate what McShay is talking about 
relative to Holmes. And then we got a, a breaking stories this morning. I saw that when I got up. Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett looking to be the new head coach at the Den- with the Denver Broncos. The first time as a head coach. Fourth different coach for them since the start of the 2016 season. Now I wonder, you know, he's the OC and there's a quarterback there who tends to have drama. And what does that mean? And the Broncos have been searching for a quarterback forever. And supposedly him and Aaron Rodgers are very, very close. They're boys, if you will. Like me and Megan, we're boys. She's going to be producing the show next week. Yacht takes his three-week vacation. Jeez. You're going to ride every ride at Disney World 15 times? Sabbatical, yes. Sabbatical. Holy freak. There you go. All right. Where's the thing here? I don't see it, man. It's not on here. Am I missing it? Did you did you you hang me out to dry? Shamrock Plumbing is not here. I do not see it on my list. Oh brother, it's going to be that kind of morning, buddy. Or am I missing it? No, you're not missing it. Uh, uh, some other people use some of our documents and apparently have decided that certain things don't need to exist. Oh uh, well, we'll then fire them. Because if it's not set up for me the way I want it. The West Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. They just do a great job. So get with Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. There you go. 801-295-1690. Shamrock Plumbing. All right, I already told you. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, our NFL expert, Lincoln Kennedy. And then it's Thursday. Joe Ingles is supposed to join us. He'll let us know when he gets up with the kids. And then we got two pair of jazz ticks for the Nuggets next week. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're some, bad. Of the, some of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here's Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. I want to tell you about Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you will save thousands of dollars. Homie, a better way to buy or sell. All right, here's Thursday. So we were what? Uh, Friday, Saturday, three days away from the NFL. And we've got the title games in each conference. As far as we go, we've got Cincinnati at Kansas City first at 1 o'clock, followed by San Francisco and the Rams at 4.30. Looking forward to that. Joining us now is our NFL expert, Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln, you only got PK today. DJ's off, so it's your lucky day. Expert, man. Wow, that's that's high praise. I appreciate it, buddy. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Compared to me, you are an expert. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate the, <laughs> appreciate the compliment. Before we look ahead... 
How about looking back? You know, the NFL, uh, it's, it seems like the time of uh, the controversy of the kneeling and all that stuff and all that hubbub. It seems like it was 10 years ago now. And I, I love that we're at this situation because I don't like to mix all that stuff. I view sports as entertainment. And wow, last weekend, I don't know that you'll ever have a better weekend for the NFL because, and, I, and I've been in this business a long time, and I'm sure you've been run across guys like myself who've been in this business. You tend to lose the individual fandom, but you get excited for great competition. And we had that in spades. The games were tremendous. Just the entertainment value. That's the reason why I'm an NFL fan, NFL fan based on Saturday and Sunday last week. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, they were some of them were you know exciting games, and 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 because they were competitive down to the finish, um, I don't think you could really ask for anything better. When you had three of the visiting teams, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, the win the the, the their games and off of a kick. Um, I'm not too high on kickers, as you already know, but yeah. uh, you, know, you had three of the three of the games come down to the wire, and then the visiting teams won on a kick, and then you know Kansas City and Buffalo for what it was worth, it came down to it. It was an exciting game to the very end. Went in overtime, and, and you're right. You're absolutely right. It was, it's, it's all you can ask for in a sporting competition, an entertainment, if you will, um, that, uh, that, that comes from you know, watching football, at least. Now, you've been around playing at a high, the highest levels in college and uh, pro, so I'm sure you suffered devastating losses. It's just the nature of the game. There's going to be sure. some highs and lows. And if you're Buffalo or maybe even T- Tampa, at least, has got a Super Bowl to their credit, but particularly Buffalo, uh, how long does that stick with you? Entire season until you start playing next year, <laughs> it leaves a foul taste in your mouth. It really does. The thing is, is that if you're if you're a team like that, you have to you go into the off season, coaching staff and everybody else saying that if we expect to be the next level, if we expect to challenge for a Super Bowl, we have to beat that team right there. You compare your standards to beating that team right there. I think Buffalo did it last year when they met in the AFC Championship game. When they they were like, "Well, we, we we've got to get we've got to get more pressure on Patrick Mahomes. We've got to find a way to to conform our defense to be able to slow them down." And still with no luck to to no avail. Um, but this it, it, it sticks in your crawl because that's the standard. If you're in the AFC, you have to consider Kansas City. It doesn't matter who you are. And, and and that's your standard if you want to get to the NFL. I mean, to the Super Bowl, you have to. If you want to be a champion, you have to consider Kansas City as a team to beat. So you have to figure out a way to beat Kansas City. You have to study them. That's that's who they're not even the same division, but they are in the same conference. So that's the standard you have to hold. So if Buffalo is to repeat or is able to take that next step, they have to find a way to beat Kansas City. And just like everybody else in AFC. You know, I didn't think Kansas City was going to be here. I thought they were going to have a little bit of Super Bowl hangover, but they made some great gains with their offensive line, um, as well as their, their defense. You know, uh, uh, the addition of Melvin Ingram for a six—I think a six-round pick—I think they gave up to get him—is it transformed the defense. Yeah, it, it really changed their defense, and so they—you the, know—they made great strides to be back in their potent offense. They always have been, but. You know the defense is now able to get stops and get off the field. Uh, that's that's been Kansas City's transition, and, and that's why they're still in the talk about being the you know a, a possible another Super Bowl champion. 
Lincoln Kennedy join us, our NFL expert, college football Hall of Famer, Raider analyst. As far as Matthew Stafford, you know, I always thought he had the talent. And I'm wondering, has he proven to this point that it was more about the talent around him or lack of talent around him when he was with the Lions failing all those years and now he's got good talent? Or do you see something different that maybe he's better this year than he ever has been? I, I think it's the, the, the contributing talent around him when I look at Matthew Stafford. Look, I I went out and placed a bet for Matthew Stafford to make the NFC Championship game the moment they, that he was traded to the, to the Rams because I thought that's what the Rams needed and that's what Matthew Stafford needed. Um, he's one of those quarterbacks that has a, a – you know, he's probably on the verge of being in a discussion for Hall of Fame. Um, but he's that talented of a quarterback that I thought that, I thought that came out, uh, and he's got the, the you know the, the other contributors around him um, for him to, to go over the top. The Rams are a better team with him. They were a quarterback away. They made the change uh, from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, and I think they are a championship caliber team. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate because um, I don't see them getting past this weekend because the the, the 49ers have had their their number. You, you look, see the 49ers played, winning? Well, I, I see the 49ers winning. And wow. Mainly because I've, I've been in situations like this where a team, you know, an opposing team, especially in your division, for whatever it's worth, has your number. It, it, they, they, they just know how to beat you. You look at, I think it's the last six times, I think yeah. it is. Um, you look at this team, that, and the 49ers find a way to win. Yeah, the 49ers are no slouch. It's nothing to slap a you know throw a thing you know any any caution to the win. They're they're no slouch. They're a good football team, and people sit there and say, well, the Rams are that better. The 49ers have had their number, so it's one of those situations where you're going up against a nemesis that knows how to beat you. Um, so I don't know if you're, you're coming down the winning end. I mean, then for what it's worth right now, the way I'm looking at it, bro, is it's it's I think it's 49ers and and Kansas City in another in another Super Bowl championship. All right, then I'll ask you, Lincoln, will the 49ers offense at least score a touchdown in this game? Yeah, they'll score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm it. stunned that they won that game without scoring an offensive touchdown last week. Right. Yeah, that's true, true story. True story. But, you know, I, I think I think they will find a way to uh, – I mean, they'll be able to put some points up. Yeah, they're going to have to, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's not like they're devoid of skill offensively. Uh, it's just, I, I just – it seems like Jimmy G, I don't know how to explain it, but when he makes a bad pass and the defender's got a pick six, but his head is turned or something happens, it seems like he's like he's a cat with nine lives or something, yeah. and he still manages to come out, even though that he's flirting with potential disaster. Yeah, Jimmy G is not the one who's going to put them over top. It's, it's everything else that contributes to the reason why the 49ers are going to beat the Rams. Okay. Uh, and then you already mentioned uh, KC. Uh, the the thing that uh, I like about and I'm I'm an offensive guy. I love I love gunslingers. You know I like Brett Favre and these guys who just take chances because I don't have any investment in whether the they lose, win, or I just want to be entertained. So right. I don't have a team. But right now, I mean, I love Burrow. I mean, I, I think everybody does. I, I was talking earlier. I look at him, two words come to mind, hot and cocky, because it seems like he's got both of them. And if I'm Casey's defense, I'm, I'm very much concerned about him. As you should be. But here's the thing, and I told my son this last week when we were watching the, the Kansas City-Buffalo game. 
he, he came to me. He was he was jumping up and down because he was like, Buffalo's going to win. Buffalo's going to win. And I'm like, there's 13 seconds left, and you've got Patrick Mahomes. Now, if you understand the game the way I look at it, that's an eternity. You know, there there was there was certain there were so many scenarios that were going through my head. I was like, you don't kick this through the end zone. You squib kick it. You try to run off some clock. 13 seconds, and all you need is a field goal to send in overtime. Yeah. And they've got one of the better kickers in the National Football League. I said, that's way too much time. And he's like, no, no, 13 seconds. With Can't timeouts. Hit. Exactly. 13 seconds and timeouts. That's an eternity if you, if you have an experienced quarterback. And what did Buffalo do? They, they forgot to cover, you know, Travis Kelsey. Who? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the inside, more importantly, they, they, they wanted to play a wide zone. They were protecting the sidelines rather than protecting the middle of the field. So, so in, in my estimation, situational football has been grossly overlooked for quite some time. They don't teach it the way they used to. And, and you don't practice it. You don't experience it. You you you, you you can't understandably go through a game and say that let me leave let me leave one of the more potent tight ends wide open in the middle of the field with timeouts. Yeah, you, you just you, you just don't have it. So starting on the twenty five, they they just they they picked apart you know the Buffalo Bills defense with thirteen seconds left and made it seem like it was they got they got even beyond. Field goal range. They got well into field oh, goal yeah, range right, in order right, to right. kick it. Gotcha. So you know that's 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 understandably something that you you just don't do. But my point is this: is that when you talk about an offense of Kansas City, I don't know how you don't prevent them from getting the football in the end. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's almost like arena football. It's almost like the the, the offense that has the ball last is going to win. And, and and there's nothing you can do about it. No matter how good you think your defense is, and it's not it's not about what Cincinnati did to Kansas City a, a few weeks ago. It's it's right, it's different right, now. Right. You know, I think that both offenses can go up and down and score on each other's defense. It's when it goes down and who has the, the ball last wins. Coaching matters in. It, you know, I've heard some – the squib kick thing was – it came up immediately. You know, should they have squib kicked it, run off some more time? Uh, should they have uh, – holding is what, a five-yard penalty? So just yeah. tackle guys off the line of scrimmage. Uh, okay, you know, but that's – ex- the game on a defense penalty. Right, and that's extreme. <laughs> but the idea, the thing that you said really hits home – the guarding of the sidelines when the other team has its complement of timeouts, who cares about the sidelines? They've got the timeouts. There's only 13 seconds to go. It's not like they're going to run 10 plays or run out of timeouts. Right. Yeah. And it made that's no what, sense to me. About. Situational football has been grossly overlooked. And it's to the, it's to the degree where even coaches – Young coaches don't understand how to manage timeouts and how to manage the game in the end because they, they, they thought there were other things that were, that were more important. Yeah, but these guys are professionals, Lincoln, man, and you got a full <laughs> staff full of them. I, I, I don't understand that one. I mean, what a blunder. Yeah. I, I'm wondering it, it, how much, particularly on the offensive side, how irritated the offensive side, the offensive players are with that that very decision with the timeouts and the sideline stuff because it basically cost you who knows it could have cost you the Super Bowl well think about it this way if you're an offensive player 
you did your job. Right. I mean, we, we, we saw, what was it, was it 26 or 27 points in the last two minutes? Yeah. You did you your know, job like twice, that. not you, just you, once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you can't, if you're an offensive player, offensive lineman, quarterback, anything else, you go out there and you have a wide receiver who shakes a defensive back to where he falls and he's wide open for a touchdown. Yeah. You can't ask for anything better. No. I mean, you, you really can't. You, you can't. That was fourth down, wasn't it, too? I think so. I mean, yeah. But I'm, just, I'm talking about the situations for an offense. Your job is to score. And then you look at the other side, and people always want to argue about the, the overtime rules and stuff like that. Look, defenses get paid, too. They're supposed to be out there to do a job. You know, the, the fact is, is that they're, you know, there once upon a time, I remember coaches when I played, practice situations. They would set up situations. Okay, what do we do if we have a minute left? And there's, you know, they've got three timeouts. What do we do? That type of thing. And you're practicing out there. I don't think they do that anymore. I don't think coaches study that anymore. And I think that's a viable part of the game that's been grossly overlooked. And from going forward, it's something that you need to consider because yeah. it's something that comes into view. Whether you realize it or not, it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can't argue with you on that. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy joined as Raider analyst. Now, I've heard, and you probably heard too, uh, Jim Harbaugh, that the Raiders yeah. might be interested. Uh, what can you tell us? I'm not a Harbaugh fan. I never have been. Um, I think he's, I, I think he's arrogant. I think he's one of these guys that has to be a control freak. Um, but I do know that, for for what it's worth, the Raiders' job is a very enticing job. You think about it. You've got a young team. You've got a quarterback. You've got salary cap space. You know, you've got everything that you want if you want to come into a professional situation. Um, an exciting new stadium and everything else. Yeah. Um, to 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 try to you know you can you can build on, uh, and you got a you got an owner who really doesn't want to micromanage. It's not like when Al was alive and may he rest in peace, but Al was a micromanager. He he controlled the coaches that came under the building because he was a football guy. Mark Davis is not the same. So you have an ideal situation uh, if you want to look at as far as as, as the the job openings out there. Um, But I'm not a big Harbaugh fan. And so from what I've heard, I heard that he's, you know, he's definitely on a list. Um, there might be some guys like Ed Dodd who worked with them. They worked together when they were at the Raiders. When, when actually when I played, um, they were all together with the Raiders. That that might be on the, the, the short list. But you know what I appreciate from Mark Davis and the, the powers that be, the circle that's around him, is that they are doing their due diligence and they're 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 taking their time to find the guy who's right. Because um, in talking to Mark this past year, they're close. The Raiders are close. They're, they're, and they, and they, they need to get it right with, when it comes to general manager and head coach because they're on the verge of something special. Now, you already know what you have to compete with in the division alone. Uh, the Chargers uh, and the, 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 the Chiefs, the Broncos are a quarterback away of being competitive. But you already know what you have to be uh, to be, can be with championship. But they're close. And, and they have to. So it's, it's, an, it's special that they get it right. And I'm glad that they're taking the time to find their way. It seems like with the Harbaugh thing, they're trying to go for sizzle. I'm not a big sizzle guy. Give me a yeah. football coach. Belichick wasn't a sizzle guy, and you know he's kind of grumpy in interviews and all that stuff. But it's <laughs> it's about winning, so I don't really care about sizzle. I care about guys who know what they're doing. Well, you know, here's the thing: the track record for where he was prior to his Michigan days, and look. Uh, there have been plenty of people who have argued with his overall record 
let alone what against, you know, he hasn't been able to do against uh, Ohio State to this past year, um, his overall record. But, you know, when you talk about the 40-yarders, you talk about what he did at Stanford and everything else, that track record has basically proven itself. But I, I still think he's a control freak, and um, he's changed since he was a quarterback's coach when I played uh, with the team and trying to talk to him a couple times and, and my, my various standpoint. He's different. And, and so I don't know if you necessarily hold that against him. I don't mind him having a seat at the table when it comes to personnel decisions. But I, last person, I, last thing I want is a dictatorship, dictatorship yeah. if that makes sense. Right, and, right. and I didn't like it when Gruden wore so many hats. Um, uh, and I, I definitely don't want it to be anyone else. Langan, thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's always a pleasure, man. You take care. I'll talk to you soon next week. Okay, that's Lincoln Kennedy, former Washington Husky College Football Hall of Fame, man. One of the greats, obviously. And longtime NFL player and now Raider analyst joining us as he does each week. We appreciate him talking about that. Raiders are close. That's good to know, man, since we carry the games on their on our station, I've been following them a little way, way more close. Not even close to what I used to. Uh, to me, I got to watch them. I feel like they're, they're sort of our team in a sense. I know it's not complete, but uh, we'll see what they can do. All right, we got some jazz. We got to get to. Uh, we got the the man's going to join us, man, in just about ten minutes, right, Yaki? Oh man, hallelujah, as he would say. Cut that up. I want to have him here. Hallelujah. Scott Gerard, stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. NBA jazz legend Thurl Bailey. As a guy who played against him, I know you are the utmost professional, Thurl. You are nothing but professional, but come on, you kind of have to enjoy a little bit of what's going on with the Lakers right now, right? I'm loving it. I'm not that professional. No. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm still a fan, right? But at the same time, I remember those rivalries, and, and I know probably who the most villainized team still is in Jazz Nation. But, you know, again, you know, it doesn't always work. You know, you try to build a super team, if that's what they're still calling it. But as much as I'm impressed with what LeBron is doing individually, in answer to your question, yeah. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Valentine's Day is fast approaching. Faux show. What are you going to do? I got a great solution to you for you because Valentine's Day is coming soon. I'm going to tell you about Jimmy's Flowers. You know, their staff can create something for you, or you can get one of their ready-to-go arrangements for any budget. Jimmy's Flowers has stores in Bountiful, Layton, and Ogden. Or you can go online, jimmysflowers.com. Make sure you order early. Jimmy's Flowers. jimmysflowers.com. A jazz go down to defeat. Again, what's that, 9 out of 11 now? So they're, uh, how would that add up? 2 and 9 in their last 11 ball games? Correct. That ain't no good. That's Stinkerino. Uh, when you look at it right now, they are still in fourth place. But wow. Memphis? Phoenix Suns running away with the thing at 38-9. And the Warriors are three and a half back. Memphis, six and a half back. Jazz, nine and a half back. So what is that? That's two and a half games that the Grizzlies are ahead of the Jazz, and the Jazz are two games ahead of the Mavs. 
for sixth place. Four, only three games ahead of the Nuggets for sixth place. Are you guys worried about that? Let me know. How you hanging on? Where are you? Are you concerned about the Jazz falling even more in the standings? Or is it just me? And on Tim Lacombe. Timmy, how are you doing this morning? You still sleeping? Jazz analyst on our show. He'll be joining us on our station. He'll be joining us tomorrow. Uh, not to worry. Doesn't really have concern about it. Am I overreacting? Because I have concern about it. I think there's valid concern there. My biggest thing is I, I tweeted this out last night. I'm waiting to see this team back at full strength finally, just to finally start really getting a real evaluation of what the warts that we've yeah. seen evolve are versus what's the lack of guys being available affecting them. I mean, obviously it's affecting them to a good degree. You can't argue that. But the reason why I have more concern on that for so long in the first part of the season I would tell DJ, you know, I'm concerned about the Jazz. I'm not concerned about anything else. If they play well, they got their guys, they're going to win. So I'm sort of going against my own mantra here by saying, yeah, I understand that. Because obviously they have been reduced. This is not who they intended to have. They're not having any flow. Guys coming in and out of the lineup. Uh, This minor injury to, to Gobert, that stuff happens. Uh, concussion protocol, you've got to be ultra careful with that. Well, we're going on five, six games now for Mitchell. Uh, you know, he was both of those guys were sitting on the bench. They looked okay. So it looks like return is imminent, whether it's next game or the game after. You know, I, I don't know about that. Uh, but certainly they're going to be here. Uh, but I'll tell you why I have a little bit of more concern and get going against, I'm going to contradict myself, which I'm sure you're saying, yeah, what else is new? Uh, but there's, a, there's other reasons why I'm concerned about the Jazz sliding in the standings a little bit that isn't health-related. We'll get to that. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Booker has it at the top of the key against Trent Forrest defensively. Takes one dribble past him, then puts up a left-hand runner in the lane and knocked it down right on top of Trent Forrest. Comes Chris Paul into the forecourt, gets a screen from Sticks. Right elbow jumper up and in. Oh my gosh, Hassan Whiteside literally just ran up on a Suns player and blasted him with the game on the line. And got a technical foul and an offensive foul and just cost the Jazz any chance at all to win this game. Hands to Booker. Dominated the first quarter at 21. He now has 40. He works to his left hand. He swings through. He fires and fades and hits. And Hassan Whiteside just cost the Jazz any chance. Wow. A critical towards my man, Hassan Whiteside, and justified. What a stupid thing to do. 
You watch the replay? Go play Sundays, buddy. Come on, man. No other way to say it. We ain't cheerleading now after that. The Jazz lose to the Phoenix Suns 105 to 97. Starters are out. Jazz lost and Jazz played and they've lost. And I got one thing to say. Because Donovan's out, and so is Rudy, too. Jazz. When will you play? I just made that up, man. I got you, baby. <laughs> no, you told Yacht to have me. Sonny and sure. Why is that appropriate? It's Groundhog Day. You've all seen the movie Groundhog Day? Doesn't that seem like the Jazz right now? They play... They're missing key guys. They lose. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're playing competitive games, I guess. If you want to give them that, let's give them that. I've got no problem giving them that. They're 30 and 19 now. They are dropping like my 401k. Maybe they'll get some guys back, particularly the big two. And then we'll see what we got. All right. We'll hit some of that. This morning, they've got a road game tomorrow. Memphis Grizzlies, a team that's ahead of them. We'll see if calf strain Gobert and concussion protocol Mitchell. That's what's the problem, if those guys can overcome that and get back in the lineup. And I certainly don't think they're dogging it by any stretch. It's just the situation that the Jazz are having to face, and they're losing. What are you going to do, as they say? All right. 97.5-1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Hornets dissecting the Pacers defense in the second half. And they will win by 32. 158 to 126. The final. The Hornets set a franchise scoring record. Coffee straight away. Screen to his left from Zubats. He drives down the left alley. Coffee whip it far side corner. Bledsoe with a pump fake in the three ball. That's good. Eric Bledsoe. Thomas got lost. He lost the basketball. Loose ball down to Najee. Outlet pass. Rivers and another three. Got it again. Austin Rivers with a smooth 20 points and 17. Minutes. Morant around an Adam screen now out to the top. Going to go off the bounce as Eubanks at the three-point line. Steps into a three as Eubanks backs away. Hits the front iron, the window, and goes. Ring it up. Luca right-hand dribble. Bounce pass. Dwight Powell. Wrap-around pass. Right side, Dorian Finney-Smith. Jalen Brunson gives to Luca Inside the paint. The spin move, and he connects. Those are some of your highlights for the night in the NBA. We'll start with how it relates to the Jazz. Memphis is the team ahead of them, and Memphis stays ahead of them. Memphis picks up a game, actually, because they've got no problem beating the Grizzlies. 118, or the Spurs, I should say. The Grizzlies are 33-17. and 17. Jazz are 30-19. and 19. So there you go. Draw, draw Morant, another 41 points, man. He's rocking the free world. Pirtle had a nice game for the Spurs, but they're reversed. They're 18-31, going nowhere. But at least we get to see somebody who knows how to change the world. I don't know if he can uh, get the team better, but he can fix all the world's problems, that's for sure, especially our countries. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, who are right behind the Jazz, 28-21. and 21. 
They beat the Trailblazers. Everybody's beating the Trailblazers. Not as bad as the Spurs. Trailblazers are still 20 and 28. Uh, Brunson had 20 points. Uh, Doncic only had like 15. He had a quiet night. Uh, but the uh, Mavs playing some good ball. Porzingis led them in scoring. He had a nice game. Seems like he's been hurt for about three years. But there you go. The Nuggets. Now you got to give the Nuggets credit, man. All the injuries they've had. Still five games over 500. They beat the watered-down Nets. Uh, Jokic, 26 points, 10 boards. It's what he does. Just a phenomenal player. Fun to watch, for sure. The Hornets. How about those guys, man? 158 points. They do not have a quarter in which they score less than 33. And in the third and fourth quarters, they go 42. And then in the fourth quarter, they go 45 points. Wow. 158. Man, I think that's a franchise record is what I read for them. And they really didn't go off anybody individually. Well, I take that that back. Oubre, Kelly Oubre Jr. had the night of his life. 39 points coming off the bench. Now, he's been bouncing around a bunch of different teams. A 10 of 15 from three. Yeah, retire now, because I don't know that you're ever going to Terrence man that again. And Hayward's out. I think he's got a foot injury. Uh, but they didn't need him, obviously. And our guy, Lamello, a ball. Nice player, man. You got to acknowledge it. We haven't heard much from LeVar lately, thank goodness. I drove by their community last weekend, Chino Hills. He had 29 points, 13 assists, and 10 boards. Four, five from three. Yeah, way to go. He's a player. They shot 53% from three. They took 45 and made 24. 58% from the field. And that was a night of a lifetime for those guys as a collective unit. How about this? If I would have told you after 49 games that... The Cavaliers and the Jazz would have the same record. And the Cavaliers would be ahead of the Bucks in the Eastern Conference standings. Would you have, as they say up here, would you have bought it? Would you have bought it, Yak? I would have bought it. How about Megs? Was Megs, would she have bought it? <laughs> well, that's true. The Cavaliers and the Bucks square off last night, and the Cavaliers get them 115 to 199. That's that's great to see. You know, when they got LeBron, they're on top of the world, but then he leaves them twice. And you'd think that, ah, man, they're going to really struggle. Well, they're not really struggling. They got a young nucleus, and they're playing well. Good for them. And when they came in here, Donovan Mitchell singled out Garland, right? Said he should make the All-Star team. Didn't he say that? Yeah. There you go. I mean, Mitchell follows the game, obviously. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to that. And uh, Garland playing well. 19-8 and eight for the Cavs. Kevin Love seemed like uh, he was either going to be traded or be hurt. Or maybe just retire. Go out to Oregon and do what they do over there, where he's from. No, he had 25 points, 9 boards. Good for the elder statesmen on that team. It's fun to see some new teams and other guys that maybe you count out. And the small markers, smaller markets anyway, and see their thing. And Takumbo played in that game. He had 26-9. But good on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I like to see it. All right, that's your NBA right here in 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
Hashtag college basketball. Bearstow back to Ashworth. Swings across court to Bean. Bean straight away three. Yes, sir! Justin Bean! Screen from Dorius. Back to Ashworth for three. Yes! It's rain of threes. Hallelujah! Bean for three. Get in there. No good. Couldn't get it to go. Butler with a rebound. But it stepped out of his hands. The deflection and the steal. Utah State. Idle Rock with the ball. Aggies so great defensively. Down low. Throw down. John Bearstow all by himself. Aggies up by 13. 68-55. Justin Bean, the distributor. Might have broken the back of the Aztecs. Is that like Chance the Rapper? Justin Bean, the distributor? I like it. <laughs> Raining threes, hallelujah. Scotty's having some fun. Wow, it was a great night at the Spectrum. You know, the Ags had come into this game on a four-game losing streak, right? And they just look like uh, at one and five in the conference. I mean, they're obviously not going to win it. Maybe they can get hot in Vegas. But, you know, how bad was it going to get? The San Diego State's on the other end. They were three and one in the conference. Eleven and four. Uh, you know, a pretty good team. They usually have a pretty good team. But no, man, they got beat. I'm impressed. Flicking back and forth in that game. And the Aggies, they, they, they built that 13-point lead, and then the Aztecs came back. And then the Aggies win going away, 75-57. to 57. Justin Bean Bryant didn't have a great shooting night, but he still had a double-double, as he usually does. 13 points, 13 boards. My contention that he's the best player in the state. I stand by it. And little Ashworth, he's a Utah County kid, isn't he? he go to Timview? Lone Peak. Lone Peak. Yeah. Lone Peak. One of the one of the rare Lone Peak that have not gone to BYU. Ashworth. Now he's a bro, right? He went on a mission and all that yeah. stuff. Yep. Yeah, he's a smaller dude. Five of ten. That's seventeen points, five assists, plays thirty-seven minutes. Uh, Jones was out. I think he's in concussion protocol. So that opened up some more time. And Ashworth play, playing well. And I look at the prep standings. What about old Lone Peak? They're like a 1-4 in their region. What happened? I thought they were a dynasty. How the mighty have fallen. Oh, it's so good to see, isn't it? No, just, just teasing. Relax. <laughs> Are you calling them Lone Peak Tech? What were you calling them? BYU Alpine, that's what it was, right? <laughs> yeah, when they had everybody going yeah, and they BYU were going to go to, yep. they were going to go to multiple Sweet 16s and they went to Zipola. Not one, not two. <laughs> oh, nice. You're going LeBron the other way. Ah, well, you got all caught up in that. Speaking of that, the uh, Utes, they go down in defeat. They had Washington State, they got blown out basically. Nine straight now. Yeah. What are they, one in 10 in league? What the heck they beat? I can't even remember. Was it Cal? Was it? I don't remember. I'd have to look that up. And with Nerd Boy here, I uh, lose my guy who just looks up random stuff to entertain himself. So I don't know. But they fall again. Uh, I tried to watch some of that game, but it got away. Uh, didn't really work for me. I mean, they're 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 in a reload. Re, they're in a bigger rebuild than I thought. I mean, did not have much expectation for them this year. And Smith was juggling his lineup. Carlson came back. I did see that. And some guys who'd been getting more time, Batten and, and Jenkins. It was Cal. They beat Cal. Good for, 
Good for them. Maybe they get. I still think they can get a couple more wins, but most likely their season will end in about uh, six weeks on that Wednesday in Vegas, and then Craig Smith will go to work and try to rebuild this team as quicker quicker than maybe he thought he needed. Because when he went into this season, he was talking about how he had success at at North Dakota, was it, or was it South Dakota? South Dakota. And then some other place he'd been before that, never heard of it. And at Utah State, you know, they were surprised that first year. And I get what he was trying to do, put a spin on it, but it didn't work. They're not going to do that this season. Tonight, we got the Weber State Wildcats in a Big Sky game against Northern Colorado. It's at 6 p.m. You can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. I don't have ESPN+, Plus, but I know Yach does. So if you want to go over to his house, he'd be more than happy to Come have on, you. Come on, Just uh, direct message me or uh, email me, and I'll give you his address. And he'll be waiting for you for sure. I'll get the hors d'oeuvres ready. Yeah, that's a tough word to spell. I'll tell you right now. That there. it is. Now, this is an important game as far as the regular season because you got Weaver State sitting there at 7-1 and one, and Northern Colorado sitting there at 5-1. and one. So, obviously, that's the first and second place team because then you got both Montana's and SUU. All three of those teams have two losses. So... It'll be an interesting game. Now the the Cats, they're fourteen and five. Uh, the Bears of Northern Colorado, they're only ten and eight. But that doesn't matter. It's it's far, as far as the Big Sky and who can win the regular season. The Cougs play, of course. They play Santa Clara. Santa Clara is one of these classic, as I see it, West Coast Conference teams. To where, hey, that wouldn't be so bad to go to school in Santa Clara. I've been up there many times to their campus. It's nice. It's beautiful. It's right below Stanford. It's BYU's first trip yeah. there since 2018. Too. Yeah, because they've uh, Mark Few complained, so they're not playing everybody in the conference every single year in a home and away like they had traditionally done. So, uh, but they don't really ever have uh, a team that you care about. I mean, they're two and two in the league. 12 and 7 overall. So they're not bad. But the Cougars got a chance to go 18 and 4. And I don't know, what can you say? Keep pace with Gonzaga? I don't think they're going to beat Gonzaga. They got Zin, Zin, uh, Gonzaga in what? Uh, nine days? Yeah, a week from Saturday. At uh, Marriott Center. I'm sure that place will be rocking. And would like to see the Cougs uh, find a way to win their games uh, until then, which I think they will. They're playing good ball. Good enough ball, anyway. UVU versus Chicago State. Now, that BYU game is Santa Clara. is 9 o'clock. Man, so dang late. you got to get up early. On ESPNU and UVU going to Chicago State, 6 p.m. All right, that's your college hoop right here with DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Obviously a really good team if you want to do the things that we want to do. That's a team that you're going to have to beat every single year. You know, the AFC has run through them for, for four straight years. So, you know, we're excited about the opportunity. Like if they're like, you know, you got to decide right now, right yeah. the second if you're playing next year. I, I would say no right now. It's two days after the season. I'd be like, no, I'm not playing. Like way too soon. But like you got to give us some time. You got to rest. I would say to see how everything goes, you know, how everything plays out. Well, we'll start with the latter. That's uh, Gronkola talking about what he wants to do. Gronkola? Yeah. All right. (laughs) 
Is he going to play? Is he going to retire? Saying if it's right now, he's talking about retiring. He's already retired once, I guess, right? He did. Set out for an entire season. Yeah, and that was uh, two seasons ago. And then he came back last year and obviously won the Super Bowl. Uh, see where he's at. Seems like uh, he enjoys playing, but I, I wonder how much of his future is tied into Brady's. It is. No, there's absolutely no doubt. Because then what do they do at quarterback? I have no idea what they would do at quarterback if Tom Brady does not come back. And Brady, it did seem like in his comments, were the strongest we've seen as far as being aligned with retirement. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to retire, but it seemed like before... All those years, and he's been playing so long now, obviously, that as he got older, it was telling you how much he wanted to play beyond what we thought possible. You know, 41, 42, 43, so forth. Now at 44, and maybe it was in the it was the next day, but still, the loss lingers, and that was a tough loss for them. I mean, we thought that, that we thought that that was overtime, right? And we thought that the uh, Bills were going to win, neither of which happened. The other team coming back with the game-winning field goal and then the uh, KC with the game-tying field goal and winning in overtime. And that's Joe Burrow talking about facing the Chiefs. You know, Joe Burrow, we'll have Lincoln Kennedy on in about 10 minutes to get uh, his thoughts. NFL dude all the way for sure. You know, Burrow, there's two words that I look at him as I describe him right now. Well, I'll run this by Lincoln. He's hot, and he's cocky. And that's a dangerous combo. I mean, my senior year on the weekends at ASU, I was hot, and I was cocky. Now, the only reason I was hot is because it's 107 degrees, obviously, right? I mean, that's why I was hot. But you were pre-med on Friday <laughs> nights, as we're all aware. Yeah, and that sometimes, you know, depending on my success, that would linger into early Sunday morning. So, you know, so, you know we can see on that. But Burrow is hot, and he is cocky. And Gronk's only 32 years old, man. Doesn't seem like he's just older than that. Seems like it. He's taken a lot of hits, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a... Yeah. So, obviously, he's got enough money. So, what do we got here? Todd McShay. Oh, I read this yesterday. Yeah. Pat Mahomes changing the way. Todd McShay scouts for quarterbacks in the draft. Yes, Mahomes has poor pocket discipline. The PPD. He still drifts, weaves, and bails out. I I mean, that does sound like me on Friday night at Arizona State. I drifted, I weaved, and I bailed out many times. Let me tell you. I'm out. Later it got in the evening. The more I was drifting, the more I was weaving, the more I was bailing out. You get to like 3, 4 in the morning, boom, I totally bailed out, that's for sure. And yet he still at times throws off balance, leaning away and from different arm slots. He does do that. I love the arm slot stuff because that means you're making something out of nothing almost, you know, so to speak. He can do so many amazing things while facing irregular situations with his body contorted. I've tweaked the way I scout QBs in the years since, looking at the final result of the throw a little bit more than I had in the past. Footwork, pocket presence, and the tidy throwing motion all matter a great deal, but a quarterback's ability to find success even when the process isn't right is extremely important. That is so true. And I can I've spoken to college guys who in town who are responsible for coaching quarterbacks and scouting quarterbacks. And I've I've told them 
I've asked them, how do you know? Because you go in these high school situations now, and a lot of these kids have all-star teammates. So they basically have all-star players and teams where you get guys that, you know, you get seven, eight, ten guys that are all difference makers, not in the boundary, and they're coming from other places. And then we had Riley Jensen on the other day talking about, well, yeah, John Beck, when he's working with Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, he's not working with them in real football situations. You know, he's working with them on a seven-on-seven or individually, whatever it might be. It's not totally pure football. So how in the world do you judge them? And Ludwig's talking about how it's important to see them in person. You must do that. Um, Aaron Roderick, too. Because it seems like it's tricky. Like, if we knew... Then, what we know of Zach Wilson, I mean, he would have been offered by everybody. You know what I mean? Who wouldn't have offered him? And the Wilson thing, kind of talking about what Mahomes does, well, Zach probably got a bump in some ways due to what he can do with his arm slot and the ability to kind of throw off kilter they're talking about. Right. Analyzing and scouting quarterbacks, man, it is so tough. So I can appreciate what McShay is talking about relative to Holmes. And then we got a, a breaking stories this morning. I saw that when I got up. Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett looking to be the new head coach at the Den- with the Denver Broncos. The first time as a head coach. Fourth different coach for them since the start of the 2016 season. Now I wonder, you know, he's the OC and there's a quarterback there who tends to have drama. And what does that mean? And the Broncos have been searching for a quarterback forever. And supposedly him and Aaron Rodgers are very, very close. They're boys, if you will. Like me and Megan, we're boys. She's going to be producing the show next week. Yacht takes his three-week vacation. Jeez. You're going to ride every ride at Disney World 15 times? Sabbatical, yes. Sabbatical. Holy freak. There you go. All right. Where's the thing here? I don't see it, man. It's not on here. Am I missing it? Did you did you you hang me out to dry? Shamrock Plumbing is not here. This, I do not see it on my list. Oh, brother. It's going to be that kind of morning, buddy? Or am I oh, missing it? No, you're not missing it. Uh, uh, some other people use some of our documents and apparently have decided that certain things don't need to exist. Oh, well, we'll then fire them. Because if it's not set up for me the way I want it, the West Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. They just do a great job. So get with Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. There you go. 801-295-1690. Shamrock Plumbing. All right, I already told you. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, our NFL expert, Lincoln Kennedy. And then it's Thursday. Joe Ingles is supposed to join us. He'll let us know when he gets up with the kids. And then we got two pair of jazz ticks for the Nuggets next week. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're somebody, bad. so many of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. 
decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. You're Correct. not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. I want to tell you about Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you will save thousands of dollars. Homie, a better way to buy or sell. All right, here's Thursday. So we were what? Uh, Friday, Saturday, three days away from the NFL. And we've got the title games in each conference. As far as we go, we've got Cincinnati at Kansas City first at 1 o'clock, followed by San Francisco and the Rams at 4.30. Looking forward to that. Joining us now is our NFL expert, Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln, you only got PK today. DJ's off, so it's your lucky day. Expert, man. Wow, that's that's high praise. I appreciate it, buddy. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Compared to me, you are an expert. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate the compliment. Before we look ahead... How about looking back? You know, the NFL, uh, it's, it seems like the time of uh, the controversy of the kneeling and all that stuff and all that hubbub. It seems like it was 10 years ago now. And I love that we're at this situation because I don't like to mix all that stuff. I view sports as entertainment. And wow, last weekend, I don't know that you'll ever have a better weekend for the NFL because, and, I, and I've, I've been in this business a long time, and I'm sure you've been run across guys like myself who've been in this business. You tend to lose the individual fandom, but you get excited for great competition. And we had that in spades. The games were tremendous. Just the entertainment value. That's the reason why I'm an NFL fan, NFL fan based on Saturday and Sunday last week. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, they were some of them were you know exciting games, and 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 because they were competitive down to the finish, um, I don't think you could really ask for anything better. When you had three of the visiting teams, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, the win the the, the their games and off of a kick. Um, I'm not too high on kickers, as you already know, but yeah. uh, you, you had three of the three of the games come down to the wire, and then the visiting teams won on a kick, and then you know Kansas City and Buffalo for what it was worth, it came down to it it was an exciting game to the very end went in overtime and and you're right you're absolutely right it was it's it's all you can ask for in a sporting competition an entertainment if you will um that uh that, that comes from you know watching football at least now you've been around playing at a hot, the highest levels in college and a pro so i'm sure you suffered devastating losses it's just the nature of the game there's going to be for some sure. highs and lows and if you're Buffalo or maybe even T- Tampa at least has got a Super Bowl to their credit but particularly Buffalo uh, how long does that stick with you oh a whole entire season until you start playing next year <laughs> it leaves a foul taste in your mouth it really does the thing is is that if you're if you're a team like that you have to you go into the offseason coaching staff and everybody else saying that if we expect to be the next level, if we expect to challenge for a Super Bowl, we have to beat that team right there. You compare your standards to beating that team right there. I think Buffalo did it last year when they met in the AFC Championship game when they, they were like, well, we, we, we've, got to get, we've got to get more pressure on Patrick Mahomes. We've got to find a way to, to conform our defense to be able to slow them down. And still with no luck to, to no avail. Um, but this, it, it, it sticks in your crawl because that's the standard. If you're in the AFC, you have to consider Kansas City. 
It doesn't matter who you are. And, and, and that's your standard. If you want to get to the NFL, I mean, to the Super Bowl, you have to, if you want to be a champion, you have to consider Kansas City as a team to beat. So you have to figure out a way to beat Kansas City. You have to study them. That's, that's who, they're not even the same division. But they are in the same conference, so that's the standard you have to hold. So if Buffalo is to repeat or is able to take that next step, they have to find a way to beat Kansas City. And just like everybody else in the AFC, you know, I didn't think Kansas City was going to be here. I thought they were going to have a little bit of Super Bowl hangover, but they made some great gains with their offensive line. Um, as well as their, their defense, you know, uh, uh, the addition of Melvin Ingram for a six, I think a six-round pick, I think they gave up to get him, is, is transformed the defense. Yeah, it, it really changed their defense, and so they, the, you know, they made great strides to be back in their potent offense. They always have been, but you know, the defense is now able to get stops and get off the field. Uh, that's that's been Kansas City's transition, and, and that's why they're still in the talk about being the you know a, a possible another Super Bowl champion. Lincoln Kennedy join us, our NFL expert, college football Hall of Famer, Raider analyst. As far as Matthew Stafford, you know, I always thought he had the talent. And I'm wondering, has he proven to this point that it was more about the talent around him or lack of talent around him when he was with the Lions failing all those years and now he's got good talent? Or do you see something different that maybe he's better this year than he ever has been? I, I think it's the, the, the contributing talent around him when I look at Matthew Stafford. Look, I I went out and placed a bet for Matthew Stafford to make the NFC Championship game the moment they, that he was traded to the, to the Rams because I thought that's what the Rams needed and that's what Matthew Stafford needed. Um, he's one of those quarterbacks that has a, a – you know, he's probably on the verge of being in a discussion for Hall of Fame um, but he's that talented of a quarterback that I thought that, I thought that came out, uh, and, and he's got the, the you know the, the other contributors around him um, for him to, to go over the top. The Rams are a better team with him. They were a quarterback away. They made the change uh, from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, and I think they are a championship caliber team. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate because um, I don't see them getting past this weekend because the the, the 49ers have had their their number. You, you look, see the 49ers played, winning? Well, I, I see the 49ers winning. And wow. Mainly because I've, I've been in situations like this where a team, you know, an opposing team, especially in your division, for whatever it's worth, has your number. It, it, they, they, they just know how to beat you. You look at, I think it's the last six times, I think yeah. it is. Um, you look at this team, that, and the 49ers find a way to win. Yeah, the 49ers are no slouch. It's nothing to slap a you know throw a you know any any caution to the wind. They're they're no slouch. They're a good football team, and people sit there and say, well, the Rams are that better. The 49ers have had the number, so it's one of those situations where you're going up against a nemesis that knows how to beat you. Um, so I don't know if you're you're coming down the winning end. I mean, then for what it's worth right now, the way I'm looking at it, bro, is it's it's I think it's 49ers and and Kansas City and another and another Super Bowl championship. All right, then I'll ask you, Lincoln, will the 49ers offense at least score a touchdown in this game? Yeah, they'll score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm it. stunned that they won that game without scoring an offensive touchdown last week. Right. Yeah, that's true, true story. True story. But, you know, I, I think I think they will find a way to uh, – I mean, they'll be able to put some points up. Yeah, they're going to have to, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's not like they're devoid of skill offensively. Uh, it's just, I, I just – 
It, it seems like Jimmy G. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it, when when he makes a bad pass and the defender's got a pick six, but his head is turned or something happens, it seems like he's well, like he's a cat with nine lives or something, yeah. and he still manages to come out even though that he's flirting with potential disaster. Yeah, Jimmy G is not the one who's going to put them over top. It's it's everything else that contributes to the reason why the 49ers are going to beat the Rams. Okay, uh, and then you already mentioned uh, KC. Uh, the the thing that uh, I like about and I'm I'm an offensive guy. I love I love gunslingers. You know I like Brett Favre and these guys who just take chances because I don't have any investment in whether the they lose, win, or I just want to be entertained. So right. I don't have a team. But right now, I mean, I love Burrow. I mean, I, I think everybody does. I, I was talking earlier. I look at him, two words come to mind, hot and cocky, because it seems like he's got both of them. And if I'm Casey's defense, I'm, I'm very much concerned about him. As you should be. But here's the thing, and I told my son this last week when we were watching the, the Kansas City Buffalo game. He, he came to me, he was, he was jumping up and down because he was like, Buffalo's going to win. Buffalo's going to win. And I'm like, there's 13 seconds left, and you've got Patrick Mahomes. Now, if you understand the game the way I look at it, that's an eternity. You know, there, there, was, there, was certain, there were so many scenarios that were going through my head. I was like, you don't kick this through the end zone. You squib kick it. You try to run off some clock. 13 seconds, and all you need is a field goal to send in overtime. Yeah. And they've got one of the better kickers in the National Football League. I said, that's way too much time. And he's like, no, no, 13 seconds. With timeouts. Exactly. 13 seconds and timeouts. That's an eternity if you, if you have an experienced quarterback. And what did Buffalo do? They, they forgot to cover, you know, Travis Kelsey. Who? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the inside, more importantly, they, they, they wanted to play a wide zone. They were protecting the sidelines rather than protecting the middle of the field. So, so in, in my estimation, situational football has been grossly overlooked for quite some time. They don't teach it the way they used to. And, and you don't practice it. You don't experience it. You, 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 you can't understandably go through a game and say that, let me, leave, let me leave one of the more potent tight ends wide open in the middle of the field with timeouts. Yeah. You, you, just, you, you just don't have it. So starting on the 25, they, they, just, they, they picked apart you know, the Buffalo Bills defense with 13 seconds left and made it seem like it was they – got, they got even beyond – field goal range. They got well into field oh, goal yeah, range right, in order right, to right. kick it. Gotcha. So, you know, that's, that's, that's understandably that's something that you, you just don't do. But my point is this, is that when you talk about an offense of Kansas City, I don't know how you don't prevent them from getting the football in the end. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's almost like arena football. It's almost like the, 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 the offense that has the ball last is going to win. And, and, and there's nothing you can do about it, no matter how good you think your defense is. And it's not, it's not about what Cincinnati did to Kansas City a few weeks ago. It's, it's, right, it's different right, now. Right. You know, I think that both offenses can go up and down and score on each other's defense. It's, it goes down to who has the, the ball last wins. Coaching matters, and you know I've heard some the squib kick thing was it came up immediately. You know, should they have squib kicked it, run off some more time? Uh, should they have uh, holding is what a five yard penalty? So just yeah. tackle guys off the line of scrimmage. 
uh, okay, you know but that's you can't ex- end the game on a defense penalty. Right, and that's extreme. <laughs> but the idea, the thing that you said, really hits home. The guarding of the sidelines when the other team has its complement of timeouts. Who cares about the sidelines? They've got the timeouts. There's only 13 seconds to go. It's not like they're going to run 10 plays or run out of timeouts. Right. Yeah. And it made that's no what, sense to me. About. Situational football has been grossly overlooked. And it's to, the, it's to the degree where even coaches, young coaches, don't understand how to manage timeouts and how to manage the game in the end because they, they, they thought there were other things that were, that were more important. Yeah, but these guys are professionals, Lincoln, man. And you got a full <laughs> staff full of them. I, I, I don't understand that one. I mean, what a blunder. Yeah. I, I'm wondering it, it, how much, particularly on the offensive side, how irritated the offensive side, the offensive players are with that, that very decision with the timeouts and the sideline stuff. Because it basically cost you. Who knows? It could have cost you the Super Bowl. Well, yeah. think about this way. If you're an offensive player, you did your job. Right. I mean, we, we, we saw, what was it, was it 26 or 27 points in the last two minutes? Yeah. You, you did know, your job like twice, that. not you, just you, once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you can't, if you're an offensive player, offensive lineman, quarterback, anything else, you go out there and you have a wide receiver who shakes a defensive back to where he falls and he's wide open for a touchdown, yeah. you can't ask for anything better. No. I mean, you, you really can't. You, you can't. That was fourth down, wasn't it, too? I think so. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, just, I'm talking about the situations for an offense. Your job is to score. And then you look at the other side, and people always want to argue about the, the overtime rules and stuff like that. Look, defenses get paid, too. They're supposed to be out there to do a job. You know, the, the fact is, is that they're, you know, there once upon a time, I remember coaches when I played, practice situations. They would set up situations. Okay, what do we do if we have a minute left? And there's, you know, they've got three timeouts. What do we do? That type of thing. And you're practicing out there. I don't think they do that anymore. I don't think coaches study that anymore. And I think that's a viable part of the game that's been grossly overlooked. And from going forward, it's something that you need to consider because yeah. it's something that comes into view. Whether you realize it or not, it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can't argue with you on that. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy joined as Raider analyst. Now, I've heard, and you probably heard too, uh, Jim Harbaugh, that the Raiders yeah. might be interested. Uh, what can you tell us? I'm not a Harbaugh fan. I never have been. Um, I think he's, I, I think he's arrogant. I think he's one of these guys that has to be a control freak. Um, but I do know that for for what it's worth, the Raiders' job is a very enticing job. You think about it. You've got a young team. You've got a quarterback. You've got salary cap space. You know, you've got everything that you want if you want to come into a professional situation. Um, an exciting new stadium and everything else. Yeah. Um, to, to 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 try to you know you can, you can build on, uh, and you got a, you got an owner who really doesn't want to micromanage. It's not like when Al was alive and may he rest in peace, but Al was a micromanager. He he controlled the coaches that came under the building because he was a football guy. Mark Davis is not the same. So you have an ideal situation uh, if you want to look at as far as as, as the the job openings out there. Um, But I'm not a big Harbaugh fan. And so from what I've heard, I heard that he's, you know, he's definitely on a list. 
Um, there might be some guys like Ed Dodd who worked with them. They worked together when they were at the Raiders. When, when actually when I played, um, they were all together at the Raiders. That that might be on the, the, the short list. But you know what I appreciate from Mark Davis and the, the powers that be, the circle that's around him, is that they are doing their due diligence and they're 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 taking their time to find the guy who's right. Because um, in talking to Mark this past year, they're close. The Raiders are close. They're, they're, and, they, and, they, and they need to get it right with when it comes to general manager and head coach because they're on the verge of something special. Now, you already know what you have to compete with in the division alone. Uh, the Chargers uh, and the, 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 the Chiefs, the Broncos are a quarterback away of being competitive. But you already know what you have to be uh, to pe- compete with the championship. But they're close. And, and they have to. So it's, it's, an, it's special that they get it right. And I'm glad that they're taking the time to find their way. It seems like with the Harbaugh thing, they're trying to go for sizzle. I'm not a big sizzle guy. Give me a yeah. football coach. Belichick wasn't a sizzle guy, and you know he's kind of grumpy in interviews and all that stuff, but it's, <laughs> it's about winning. So I don't really care about sizzle. I care about guys who know what they're doing. Well, you know, here's the thing. The track record for where he was prior to his Michigan days, and look, uh, there have been plenty of people who have argued with his overall record let alone what against, you know, he hasn't been able to do against uh, Ohio State to this past year, um, his overall record. But, you know, when you talk about the 40-yarders, you talk about what he did at Stanford and everything else, that track record has basically proven itself. But I, I still think he's a control freak, and um, he's changed since he was the quarterback's coach when I played uh, with the team. And trying to talk to him a couple times, and, and my, my very standpoint, he's different. And, and so I don't know if you necessarily hold that against him, I don't mind him having a seat at the table when it comes to personnel decisions, but I, last person, I, last thing I want is a dictatorship. Dictatorship, yeah. if that makes sense. Right, and right. and I didn't like it when Gruden wore so many hats, um, uh, and I, I definitely don't want it out to be anyone else. Lincoln, thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's always a pleasure, man. You take care. I'll talk to you soon next week. Okay, that's Lincoln Kennedy. Former Washington Husky College Football Hall of Fame man, one of the greats, obviously, and longtime NFL player and now Raider analyst joining us as he does each week. We appreciate him talking about that. Raiders are close. That's good to know, man, since we carry the games on their on our station. I've been following them a little way way more close, not even close to what I used to but that, they're, to me, I got to watch them. I feel like they're, they're sort of our team in a sense. I know it's not complete, but uh, we'll see what they can do. All right, we got some jazz. We got to get to. Uh, we got the the man's going to join his man in just about ten minutes, right, Yaki? Oh man, hallelujah, as he would say. Cut that up. I want to have him here. Hallelujah, Scott Gerard. Stay with us. Ninety-seven five twelve eighty. The zone. This. Is Hanson Scotty? Let's do it. NBA jazz legend Thurl Bailey. As a guy who played against him, I know you are the utmost professional, Thurl. You are nothing but professional, but come on, you kind of have to enjoy a little bit of what's going on with the Lakers right now, right? I'm loving it. I'm not that professional. No. There you go. <laughs> I am still a fan, right? But at the same time, I remember those rivalries, and, and I know probably who the most villainized team is still is in Jazz Nation. But, you know, it, again, you know, it doesn't always work. You know, you try to build a super team, if that's what they're still calling it. But as much as I'm impressed with what LeBron is doing individually, in answer to your question, yeah. 
What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Valentine's Day is fast approaching. Faux show. What are you going to do? I got a great solution to you for you because Valentine's Day is coming soon. I want to tell you about Jimmy's Flowers. You know, their staff can create something for you or you can get one of their ready-to-go arrangements for any budget. Jimmy's Flowers has stores in Bountiful, Layton, and Ogden. Or you can go online, jimmysflowers.com. Make sure you order early. Jimmy's Flowers. jimmysflowers.com. A jazz go down to defeat. Again, what's that, 9 out of 11 now? So they're, uh, how would that add up? 2 and 9 in their last 11 ball games? Correct. That ain't no good. That's Stinkerino. Uh, when you look at it right now, they are still in fourth place. But wow. Memphis? Phoenix Suns running away with the thing at 38-9. And the Warriors are three and a half back. Memphis, six and a half back. Jazz, nine and a half back. So what is that? That's two and a half games that the Grizzlies are ahead of the Jazz, and the Jazz are two games ahead of the Mavs for sixth place. Four, only three games ahead of the Nuggets for sixth place. Are you guys worried about that? Let me know. How you hanging on? Where are you? Are you concerned about the Jazz falling even more in the standings? Or is it just me? Get on Tim Lacombe. Timmy, how are you doing this morning? You still sleeping? Jazz analyst on our show. He'll be joining us on our station. He'll be joining us tomorrow. Uh, not to worry. Doesn't really have concern about it. Am I overreacting? Because I have concern about it. I think there's valid concern there. My biggest thing is I, I tweeted this out last night. I'm waiting to see this team back at full strength finally, just to finally start really getting a real evaluation of what the warts that we've yeah. seen evolve are versus what's the lack of guys being available affecting them. I mean, obviously it's affecting them to a good degree. You can't argue that. But the reason why I have more concern on that for so long in the first part of the season I would tell DJ, you know, I'm concerned about the Jazz. I'm not concerned about anything else. If they play well, they got their guys, they're going to win. So I'm sort of going against my own mantra here by saying, yeah, I understand that. Because obviously they have been reduced. This is not who they intended to have. They're not having any flow. Guys coming in and out of the lineup. Uh, This minor injury to, to Gobert, that stuff happens. A uh, concussion protocol, you've got to be ultra careful with that. Well, we're going on five, six games now for Mitchell. Uh, you know, he was both of those guys were sitting on the bench. They looked okay. So it looks like return is imminent, whether it's next game or the game after. You know, I, I don't know about that. Uh, but certainly they're going to be here. Uh, but I'll tell you why I have a little bit of more concern and get going against, I'm going to contradict myself, which I'm sure you're saying, yeah, what else is new? Uh, but there's, a, there's other reasons why I'm concerned about the Jazz sliding in the standings a little bit that isn't health-related. We'll get to that. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
Valentine's Day is coming soon, guys. Take care of that special person in your life with flowers from Jimmy's Flowers. Order early for the best selection at jimmysflowers.com or visit them in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Joining us now is, oh my gosh, I am so humbled to be able to talk to him. He is the Utah Sports Writer of the Year, multiple times of the Deseret News now, Jay Drew. Jay, privileging us with this opportunity really humbles me because you have so much hardware on your mantle, and I've won the award approximately zero times. Yeah, that's just absolute travesty. <laughs> Everyone knows when I was over at the trip, you were my role model, <laughs> the guy I wanted to be. More importantly, I wanted the beat that you had. So, And you it got it, out, and you though. look me in the dust right now, man. I'm choking on your exhaust fumes as you've just blown by me. Well, even a blind – or what did Rick Majerus used to say uh, – one-eyed man is king of a blind country or something like that. <laughs> one-eyed man is... <laughs> are, are blind, but no. One-eyed one eyed man is king in the land of the blind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I knew it was something like that. Oh, I got something all his... a squirrel finding an acorn or something. He had a bunch of them. But, I've got all um, of his sayings down. Ten years. <laughs> I labored. Oh, bad. <laughs> So lots of things to talk with the sport or the sports writer of the year. Um, football always is a topic. BYU football is never not a topic, right? We all know that. You've been doing that. How long have you been doing that now? Uh, since uh, 2008. So whatever, uh, Max Hall's junior season was yeah. my first full-time on the beat. So whatever that is, yeah. 13, 14 years. You're getting up there, man. That's awesome that you've been doing yeah, all this uh, time. Yeah, it's been great. Of course, now I, I kind of split my time between BYU and Utah. I do BYU football and other sports and then Utah basketball, which this year I kind of got the short end of the stick on, but uh, yeah. I think they'll bounce back, but, but we will see. That's funny because for a while I did BYU football and Utah basketball. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm following in your footsteps. Just, yeah. You pave the way. <laughs> so BYU football uh, quarterback is a big deal. Mm. Hall, I mean, they've got to have a capable backup because Hall has not proven that he can go the distance. I mean, it's just a fact. He's wildly talented, and I would love to see him be out there for most likely 13 games, counting the bowl game, obviously. But until I see it, you know, I'm not going to believe it. And right now, with Romney deciding that he wants to go somewhere, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he said what he's going to do or if he's done or if he's still interested in playing or exactly what. But I think they've got an issue there at backup quarterback. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you would think by now that Jacob Conover would be ready. Um, And I don't know that he's not, but... He didn't look all that great in the only appearance that he had against Utah State when he came in. They kind of uh, basically Tyler Algier won that game for him, you know, running the ball, but in the second half. Um, but yeah, I agree. I I, I think they need a, a backup, somebody that can step in and and uh, you know, Jaron Hall has had what concussion issues. He had a hip problem that caused him to sit out an entire year. Then last year he had multiple injuries, the ribs, the uh, ankle, so. Yeah, I think they definitely need uh, a guy like Baylor Romney, who's had some experience, 
and can has had some starts under his belt and can come in and and be that stopgap guy until Jacob Conover is ready. Um, and maybe Jacob is. I, we don't get to watch practice anymore. Uh, we probably won't get to watch much of spring ball, but. But I think that's where they sit right now is uh, I think they could really use a, somebody with a few starts under their belt as an assurance policy in case, you know, Jaron Hall gets hurt again. Jackson Dart, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would be something, wouldn't it? That, yeah. would be, that would be a crazy turn of events. Well, I've heard that uh, folks at the high school level are saying it is he's going to go play for Kiffin. And uh, I don't know why that it hasn't been announced. And I know some people who have talked to the family, and they've said that it's probably going to be Kiffin and Old Miss. Uh, so I've got all sorts of folks around him saying, in, some say it probably, some say it emphatically, somewhere in between two. Some of them say it. So uh, I don't know that that's an that's an option, but it's nice flirting. And and I was also told that well, if Hall was leaving. BYU would be front and center. Yeah, I think that that's the big thing is, is you look at Jackson Dart, and he obviously isn't going to transfer somewhere where he has to sit behind somebody. And and Jaron Hall, he's proven, you know, he's played well enough. I think he's he's you got to be he's got to be the starter, or uh, you know, unless Jackson Dart would come in and just blow him away, which you know maybe he could, but. He doesn't know the offense. He doesn't know the system, um, and Jaron Hall does. So, yeah, I'm hearing roughly what you're hearing, PK. Maybe not as emphatically um, that that it's a done deal with Ole Miss, but I've I've definitely heard that he's he's leaning in that direction. And I'm I'm kind of uh, wondering too why an announcement hasn't been made um, because you would assume the young man would want to get into school and, you know, kind of get acclimated that way and, and play spring ball at wherever he goes. So it is kind of interesting that it's kind of dragging on this long, but, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's probably, you know, I don't know Ole Miss's quarterback situation down to a T obviously, you know, they're losing Matt Corral. Um, but uh it would seem like that would be the best choice for him of the finalists where he could go and play right away and there wouldn't be a, any sort of quarterback battle or anything like But there obviously would be at, uh, at, at BYU. Aaron Roderick, I think, is determined to get as many quarterbacks on scholarship as he can, figuring, you know, the more the merrier, let it sort itself out. A uh, couple of guys that I've heard – uh, in this class, and then even junior year, they've got their eyes on. Uh, do you know of any of those guys? You mean from the high school quarterback range? Yeah, so they'll either be a senior or a junior this year because I think it's Aaron's philosophy uh, to yeah. not get caught short. Yeah, I think Aaron one time told me that they best case scenario, they'd like to sign one quarterback a year. Um, Maybe people may, might forget they signed their, the Cade Fennigan yeah. kid from uh, Boise State transfer. Um, or I'm not even, I'm not sure if he's a scholarship guy or a walk on, but but uh, you know they've got him and he does have a little bit of playing experience against BYU, ironically. Um, but uh, so don't forget about him. But as far as high school kids, I'm not exactly sure who they're who they're zeroing in on. 
um, out there. Uh, I know I've heard there's some good ones. Yeah. I know they were mildly interested in the Washington State, uh, Jaden Delora, uh, but he ended up going elsewhere. I, I know some people. Yeah, I think they recruited him out of high school. I think you yeah, got a kid at Southern uh, California and then Wilson's younger brother. Uh, who's oh, that's right. Isaac Wilson is slated uh, to, to move also, in there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, you're right about Roderick. I think he was at Utah long enough and he's been at BYU long enough to see what happens to quarterbacks in this day and age and, and how you can never have enough quality quarterbacks. I mean, one year BYU went through, like, it seemed like, like five Tanner Mangum's year. And I know back in 2003, uh, that when they lost three to zero to to Utah in that Blizzard oh, yeah. game, I think they played like four or five quarterbacks. So, yeah, you can just never have enough good quarterbacks. That's for sure. I've also in conversations with the coaches, you know, it's not like they have apprehension about going into the Big Twelve, but I think their eyes are wide open. I don't know how open fans' eyes are, but they believe, and I don't think it's a situation where they're trying to set low expectations. Uh, I think it's more realistic that this is going to be a, a transition that's not going to be easy. To what level of difficulty remains to be seen, but that they're they know that they're they're in for it here. Doesn't mean they can't compete, but it's not going to be a little walk in the park. I, I don't know if you've had conversations with these guys about this, but what do you think about the transition that w- awaits them the year after next? Yeah, I think it's going to be very very difficult. Um, of course, we're talking about football right now, and and uh, you know I think they kind of got a wake up call when they went and played at Baylor. Just how physically more dominant the Baylor players were, especially on the lines, and uh, and then in the skill positions, the speed as well. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I I think they're going to take their lumps, uh, and it's going to take a lot of uh, kind of a recruiting overhaul. Uh, in a way, I think right now, I think in a lot of ways they've kind of recruited based on potential and based on ability to develop guys and and have them in the program, and then also get a, lo- a bunch of preferred walk-ons for depth that way. And I just think they got to change their mindset and go and basically get the the better players like Utah does right out of high school, guys that can step in and and contribute right away and don't need a lot of development or growth and of course you got the mission thing too the the missions which throws another kind of wrench into it but but also in basketball um, I know a lot of BYU fans are kind of reveling that Utah has lost nine straight games but but I, you know I think the Pac-12 is really good I've, I've watched it closely obviously the last two years and and BYU, if you think the Pac-12 is good, wait till BYU gets yeah. in the Big 12. There you go. And uh, with all those teams, so you know, I, I would say be careful about what you tease, you know, your your fellow or rival uh, fans about because BYU could very, very easily be in that same boat in a couple of years. Jay Drew, the Deseret News, joining us this morning. You speak of basketball. I know you don't cover them for the Cougars. But you, you're obviously aware of, you've seen what Mark Pope has done as far as the transfer portal, and he's mined that uh, very much so, and bringing in several players every year. It, it seems to me for BYU, it, may, you know, it might be hard, although they've done a really good job of bringing in non-LDS guys, uh, 
more so than than probably Bronco did and and being able to uh, be contributors. So you got to give them credit for that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm wondering how much do you think that they go transfer portal? Because I've always thought that for BYU, particularly BYU football, because it's big time. You know, it's just you know sixty some thousand people, and we've all been on the road with the Cougars. They go crazy there, and the, you know we had on uh, Samson Nakua, and he used to talk about that every every week uh, when they would come off a road game. He would be surprised, and if those of us who've been on the road with BYU, we're not surprised. We've seen it. So my point is, you know, it's it's big time football. And I would think that a 20, 21, 22-year-old who has a more level of maturity and focus would, even if he's not uh, used to the LDS culture, would be receptive to what they have to offer because it's not going to be a short-term deal. I mean, it's not going to be a long-term deal. It's going to be a short-term deal. How much do you think that they're going to be able to have success in filling those spots? Because it was clear this year that, particularly on defense, when they got hit by injuries, man, there was a massive drop-off. Yeah, for sure. It was it was a huge drop off, and you know, I I, I told people BYU's ones their first stringers in football can pretty much play with anybody, but there's just a bigger drop off between them and Power Five schools when you when you hit the second teamers and and the third teamers. I mean, look at what you know Ohio State and Utah were able to do in the Rose Bowl just with with not their mainline guys. They were still you know, really talented. So, yeah, I think I think this whole opening up of the transfer portal and the one-time transfer allowance kind of helps BYU in that way because you can get a guy to transfer in and he can play right away. He doesn't have to sit around a year and obey the honor code and all that and when he's not even playing. But So I, I think it, that in that regard, it really helps. You get a guy in there, plays right away. You keep him busy with with obviously with school and then and then the team and and the you know sports and all that so so yeah i think i think that's definitely what they need to hammer home on and i from what i understand they've saved a couple of uh scholarships for transfer portal guys they signed 19 what in december in the early signing period but i i think they're they realize that that the transfer portal has got to be a constant down there at least, uh, at least the first few years of the Big Twelve before they get it going. So, they definitely need some immediate help, especially on defense. Jay Drew, the D News, joining us this morning on DJ and PK. Big deal uh, when it was unprecedented contract, unprecedented commitment. The word unprecedented was thrown out there several times by the athletic administration uh, when uh, Kalani Sataki. Uh, hooked up for what another four or five years, whatever it is. Uh, have you been able to uncover exactly, maybe not exactly, but to some degree, what unprecedented literally means? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, you know, I only, I haven't only in the it, from what I've talked to assistant coaches, uh, kind of on and off the record, and they've all assured me that that they're all getting a nice kind of a salary bump out of it. So maybe that's what it means. Unprecedented, I imagine, means that Kalani's probably making more than any BYU head football coach has ever made. Um, of course, we'll probably never know the exact figure um, because of, uh, you know, they're a private school and don't have to release that. But but uh, just from what I've talked to assistant coaches, they've assured me that that, that wasn't just, 
you know, hollow talk that, that they're going to to uh, receive a significant pay increase across the board. As far as upgrading facilities, I'm assuming that maybe in more support staff, um, it comes with it. Um, and then, you know, I think uh, I think a few of these BYU coaches were approached by uh, other schools, not just Kalani. I'm talking about the assistant coaches and right. coordinators. Right. And I think uh, I think this was a nice preemptive strike from BYU to to keep them around, realizing how important that continuity was. So, so I think uh, so far, you know, knock on wood, none of them have left yet. So I, I think that that salary bump uh, kept a lot of those guys around, which in past years maybe they would have would have left. Tom Homo is going to the uh, have the roundtable today. Are you going? I am. Yep. This afternoon, uh, down there at the uh, basketball uh, annex, I guess I, I always forget what they call it—the Marriott Center annex. Save a spot oh, for me, okay? Uh, Save be, a spot for you. I will. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, maybe some of the the award-winning stuff can rub off on me, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> now I want you guys to, to obey the rules and only send one representative per outlet, like like they require. So. Uh, I was told so, uh, to go, so I'm going. Uh, what are some things that are on your mind? Yeah, I think uh, I think you know the whole Big Twelve, what BYU is doing preparation wise to to go to the Big Twelve. I, I think maybe some questions about uh, you know Mark Pope's future. I, I know he signed a contract extension a year or two ago, but are they going to do the same thing for him that they did for Kalani? Um, you know, I think uh, I've always been interested to see if, if in the Big 12, if they do anything to Lavelle Edwards Stadium as far as maybe upgrades, maybe even, uh, you know, take out or put in more of the chair seats um, to make it a little more comfortable. That would obviously decrease the attendance a little bit, but, but uh, so that's kind of been on my mind and, um, you know, I'm trying to think of more. Those are kind of the things uh, that kind of stand out. I think they got the Marriott Center right where they like it as far as the upgrades go. And and uh, so, you know, I think you can always make life easier for the better for the fans. They do a really good job down there with the wireless, and they put a lot of money into that for the stadium experience. And, and so those are a few of the things uh, – you know, they're kind of on my mind. How about scheduling, football-wise? Yeah, obviously that'll be a big topic, especially with the, you know, which games are they going to keep? You know, news came out this week that the Boise State is saying that, that that series is going to end after next year when BYU goes in the Big 12. You know, it's, it seems to me like reading between the lines that, that BYU would like to keep Utah and Utah State on the schedule – a lot depends on if the Big 12 is, you know, nine games or eight games, uh, eight conference games or nine. So, yeah, that's a, that's going to be obviously a big topic as well. I I don't know that Tom Homo will really go into detail. He usually keeps scheduling kind of stuff pretty close to the vest, but that'll definitely be a, something that I'm sure he'll be asked today. Thanks for coming on this morning, Jay. Appreciate it. Okay, no problem. All Have right. Good one, Pat. We'll see there you, you go. Longtime friend and associate, Pierre J. Drew.
Worked with him for 14 years, side-by-side at the Salt Lake Tribune. He's moved over to the Deseret News there, covering BYU football since 2008. He knows what he's talking about. Check him out at the Deseret News. All right, we'll get you up to date on what you may have missed. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. NBA jazz legend, Thurl Bailey. As a guy who played against him, I know you are the utmost professional, Thurl. You are nothing but professional, but come on, you kind of have to enjoy a little bit of what's going on with the Lakers right now, right? I'm loving it. I'm not that professional. No. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm still a fan, right? But at the same time, I remember those rivalries, and, and I know probably who the most villainized team is still is in Jazz Nation. But, you know, it, again, you know, it doesn't always work. You know, you try to build a super team, if that's what they're still calling it. But as much as I'm impressed with what LeBron is doing individually, in answer to your question, yeah. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com. Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or a free second opinion. My goodness gracious, the Jazz. This is Groundhog Day. Guys aren't there. They lose. We've seen it now for, what, two, three weeks? I am getting so tired of it. And the reason why I'm concerned is that the teams around them are playing great ball. And just because you get your guys back doesn't mean you're going to run off a streak of 16 wins out of 19 games. Because you look at Phoenix, Golden State, the Grizzlies, Dallas has got it going on a little bit, Denver's hanging in there. I couldn't disagree more with Jake Scott, who says, hey, no worries, just put your feet up, relax, this is a Sunday afternoon drive. What is Jake Scott thinking, man? Uh, well, I, I haven't really changed my thinking. I told you I wouldn't change my thinking. I, you know, I can't... Because uh, you're stubborn. I can't ride the roller coaster uh, <laughs> like you, PK. I mean... I, it's not a roller coaster. It, it is, though. No, it's not. This, this team is the, still what we think it is. Okay, but... That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the other teams that are playing much. Memphis is way better than I they thought. They are. Really Phoenix good. is way better than I thought. Dallas has gotten better as the season progresses, and you hear about that. You know, continue to get better every day, that cliche. Well, Dallas is a living example. I mean, they beat Portland. Portland's not that good. But the thing that I liked about that game with Portland is Doncic only had 15. You know, he's a proven commodity, right? He scores 35-40. Your chances of winning are going to be really good. What can they do when he's not the dominant player? And they had that. They had multiple guys contribute against that win in Portland. I realize Portland has been battered themselves, so beating Portland is not like, oh, man, that's a shoe-in for the title for sure, obviously. And then Denver still hanging around. Denver five games above five hundred, And we want to talk about the Jazz injury situations. Well, Denver... They're season long. So uh, I, I get why you're optimistic about those teams, and, and I certainly get why. But I still don't believe in Dallas for the same reason that I don't believe in Denver. They can't stop, okay, but they they, can't they, they stop anybody. The they can't stop anyone. So, But you brought them up. 
I did. So I'm but telling they're, you, they're playing. They're playing well. I think you got to get tribute. You got to sure. You got to acknowledge that. I Good mean. for them. All the warm and fuzzies their direction. I'm I'm proud of them. You're just a cold-hearted <laughs> bass. <laughs> Memphis. <laughs> Memphis is a real team, and maybe you know we should have seen that coming. Did a we little think bit. they'd be this good? No, no, no. Right. They're, they're no absolutely. So that doesn't have anything to do with the Jazz injuries. And maybe we should have seen this coming a little bit more because they were a good team in the playoffs last year. A rising they, team. Yeah, they played the Jazz. But tough, I think. So. That uh, Phoenix and Memphis are substantially better than I thought they would be. Okay. Well, but we thought Phoenix would be good. No question. But and think- Golden State is probably better than I thought they'd be, too. And talk about a team when they're complete and if they get right, you know, they, they've they've got that all over the place, right? They haven't had all their guys together yet? No, obviously not. No. So, um, yeah, I, I, I certainly get the, the point you're, you're making, but they're all still vulnerable teams. I mean, it's not the Golden State of a few years ago. No, where it's it was not. Just, no. It was just going to be the, the wall. I mean, it Who are they going to beat in the playoffs, yeah. not if they're going to win? What are the matchups? What are the, what are the, the series on the other side? Do you get an upset? Do you get a team that, that underperforms or injury or COVID or whatever? You know, circumstances. The Jazz know this better than anybody. Circumstances happen at that certain snapshot in the season at the end when... You know things are things are weird, and and when guys get injured, I mean, think about uh, Ricky Rubio's hamstring against the Rockets a couple of years ago. You know, if they had a puncher's chance, they didn't because they blasted Hammy. He had to give the the Hammy all it had to get out uh, out uh, from the Oklahoma City series, right? So I mean, stuff happens. You never know. It do. And the Jazz are absolutely still in the conversation. However, they they're going to make a roster adjustment. At least one move. It's gonna. They're gonna do something. Yeah, and I can't believe just because you dislike me that you're rooting for Joe to get traded. I'm not. I'm not. No. Are you kidding? I heard Scotty talk about this earlier. Joe has been so good to us. This station. He's. It's awesome. He is. Can't miss radio every week. And uh, that's. I mean, that's good for everybody. When I ask someone to make a commitment and I look them in the eye, there's very rare times they say, no, PK, I won't do it. You, uh, do you remember this? You and I had dinner with Joe Ingles when he was a rookie at the Leap and Leaners thing. It was your wife, my wife, and, and the two of us just sitting down chatting with Joe. Joe was right to my as, left. Uh, and as he was a rookie. single, and so he had nowhere to go. And so he had all the time. And I had spent some time. Randy Rogers, our old general manager, had set up a thing for me to go over and talk to jazz players. and But don't talk about basketball. And I, I would sit. They don't even have the bleachers there at their practice facility. The thing's been remodeled a few times now. And uh, we just sit in the bleachers, and I'd just chat them up. And that's where I first got to know Joe, which was before that dinner. And then, coincidentally, he ends up sitting right next to me after I just spent a half hour with him, just shooting a breeze. No basketball talk. That was the premise of the whole thing. Yeah. Jazz set it up. Not. I'm not asking about basketball. I'm just asking what what floats your boat, basically. Yeah. Well, do you remember this moment when uh, the wonderful Linda Lucchetti, who I uh, I like very much, uh, Jack was, of all trades, was with the Jazz for a long time. Did a, a number of different very important things. But uh, <laughs> Linda, who's who's a very upbeat, positive well, person. For sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's just her vibe. She's she's got a smile. She told on my her wife, face. "I can't believe you're married to him." <laughs> <laughs> she's just awesome. But Linda swoops by the table and says, "Oh, hey, Joe." And this is Joe's rookie year, where he was not. He was far from assured to be back with the team the next year. Right. 
He was he was certainly not under contract. And Linda Linda drops by and's like, "Oh, Joe, can't wait." And she implied something about next year because, of course, it would never cross her mind that that he would be gone. You know, he's a part of the team and all this stuff. And then she kind of caught herself when Joe kind of gave her a look. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, let's hope I'll be back with the team. But it was a yeah. it was a funny moment, and he really uh, he made a joke of it, and it kind of disarmed everybody. But it, it was he, it showed who he was at the time. And twenty seven, uh, not married, no kids. Now here we are, thirty four, yep. married, three kids. Crazy. And uh, yeah, he's got responsibility now. He's not footloose anymore. And he's only been he's been in Utah almost exclusively, right, for the last two years. Oh, with the COVID situation. With the COVID yeah. situation. I mean, this past summer he did go with uh, the Australian team to Japan and did that thing. And did uh, he go back and visit? Didn't he tell you guys he went back at least once to Australia? I don't remember. Or maybe it was Renee went or something like that. But I, uh, I think his wife is there now. Is that what it is? Yeah. I think he said yeah. she was going after Christmas because her parents came over and then they were going. Uh, but double check that. But here's it's summer down there. Here's obviously. why Joe's been so great for the station. A couple of weeks ago, you guys brought it up with him about the possibility of him being traded, and he gave you a, a, a you know I couldn't remember it off the top of my head, but he, he gave you a very real answer. It's wearing on him. It, it is wearing on him. You can tell. I I can't help but think of that when I've last night. Uh, Tim and I talked a little bit about this on the post game, and we try not to be so you know, use harsh language when talking about the game. But one thing that was evident in the game was Joe Ingles, really neither positive or negative, just didn't have the impact on the game. And he he started, you know, you would think this is the opportunity that he's really relished in the past where he's really played well, and it was just non-impactful, you know. And I just wonder... right. Not to the level that he has. But I did notice that because a lot of times when he starts, it's like 14, 6, and 4 or something. Yeah, and I'm not saying he's giving away the game out there. It's just not. Last year, uh, Locke came on the station a bunch of times, and I'm sure he did this on, on your uh, show, and said that Joe Ingles should be the sixth man of the year and then laid out a pretty convincing case. And he was the runner-up in the voting. Am I, I, I believe I'm right about that. Yeah, you're that. right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. It was, he was the seventh man of the year. Uh, and because last year, was it was his best season as a pro. I, I mean, so. he was really good. And they need that they need that Joe Ingles more consistently. Yeah. And but but here's the here's the truth of it and this is why I think he gets moved because he's got a contract and it's an expiring contract and it's one of the very few assets the Jazz actually have. And so it's you think he's a goner so he's only got like a week and a half to go. And it really has nothing to do with his play and has everything to do with finances. Let's let's use Portland, for example, PK. Portland is way over the cap and getting no results. And so if you can get out from under a contract, you got a couple of years. Robert on. Covington. Robert Covington. That's the one Bobby people want C. to talk about. But, you know, Marcus Smart is the same thing. Have you looked at Marcus Smart's car, a contract? He's under contract until, uh, let's see, it's it's got to be somewhere in the 2050s. I mean, he's, he's he's under contract. He signed a bird's bird rights deal, so he's got this crazy long contract that Boston has got to be dying to get out from under. Well, he's a tough defender. So, 
You know, he give you that. He's a, he's a tough guy. If you can get Joe's expiring contract, a guy that'll, you know, Ooh. not hurt you down the stretch, you know, that might be worth it for a franchise like that. Would certainly, you, certainly Portland. That's that's going nowhere. Would you come on then to take his place every Thursday? No. Well, sure. Yeah, I, my Australian <laughs> accent isn't very good, but I'm always down to come on DJ and PK. You could tell us about Naz and the kids. Yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't. Could not do it, but it, you know what? What's been cool about the the whole journey of Joe and and your show in this station? Um, he took us through COVID. He kept coming. He came on during the isolation. I mean, if I, I talk to people about this all the time, if you really think about it, the Jazz were at the center of the entire world when it came to. COVID-19, when Rudy Gobert tested positive and basically the whole world shut down the next day. This building, PK, this franchise, our state, our city, were the, the focus of, and, and what would you say uh, COVID has been on uh, uh, like the story ranking scale? The biggest story in the last, how many years? I mean, maybe since 9-11 or something, maybe You're even going back further. World? Yeah. Oh, okay. And and this franchise was at the center of it for a uh, a brief moment in time, which is is something to be if you think about it, is really crazy. And Joe kept coming on every week and talking about his experience and what happened. And he talked about uh, Oklahoma City going right to the Donovan uh, Rudy unsalvageable. He did speak on that. He laughed. He talked about that. You know, yeah, pretty yeah. fascinating to to Man. experience it all through his lens. Uh, I feel like on we're saying show. goodbye already. Oh, I don't mean to do that. <laughs> you asked me about why I, you you accused me of rooting for Joe to get traded, and that is that is the farthest thing from the truth. But it's it, the situation that presents I didn't itself. You, is, you brought it up. You said he's a goner. I don't. I don't. I don't think he'll be with the team. Pat. That pantsy's a goner. I'm not rooting for it. I didn't. You just no. You like to see me suffer. But yeah, I know the rest. Well, you personally, uh, yeah, that's yeah. no, that's not true. But you know, I I, I know the resties want the morning show. I, I see where you're all angling oh, man. for. I, I get. W- I get how this works. You've seen me on the morning on the morning shift. Yeah, that was when you were twenty. It ain't pretty. Uh, I mean, I'm I mean, still not a morning person. You're not exactly Robert Redford in his prime in the afternoon either. <laughs> well, none of us are David James, that's for sure. You know, that guy is that is David a human or is he some sort of machine? Well, if machinery equals nerddom, then yes. He's a nerd. Yeah. He, he is he is but he plays his role very well. He as well as anybody's ever played him. Oh one. man. He's a star, that David James. Yeah. I mean, he makes Robert Ory look like a, a, a flunky as far as a role player. Right? We view Robert Ory as a high shot, role player. Big shot, Bob. Yeah. We've got, uh, you know, nerd boy DJ. Stat boy looking it up, man. No, he's great. And I look forward to him coming back it, on Monday. Does he still type with just his mm-hmm. two fingers? Is yeah. that still a thing? Oh, yeah. I did the, uh, because of the COVID situation, I did the show from home for like 15 months. And so we didn't have face-to-face contact. Although I played more golf with him than ever. And we went out with you a number of times. Because uh-huh. that's the one, you could do that, right? You're outside, you're distance, blah, blah, blah. Courses were open. They allowed it. And uh, I can remember my daughter was getting all, all you guys do is golf. I said, well, you need to complain to the governor, not me. That's all you can do. <laughs> Don't blame me. So, so uh, 
the funny thing is, you knew when he was typing. I could hear him. I'd be right in the middle of a thought, and you hear. He's the only. <laughs> he's the only person I legitimately know that does the hen peck. The hunt and peck. Yeah. 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 And, and he's he's pretty like good at it. I mean, he's not. He's not. You know, searching out every key per se. I mean, he's he's right. banging it out there, but. I, All right, you 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 and Ben will be coming up in about uh, thirteen minutes. Are we giving away jazz tickets right now? Caller twelve. We got a pair of jazz tickets to see Jokic. Man, who doesn't want to see him? Particularly if you can go for free. That's on February second. Obviously, that's next week. We got a pair of tickets left for the Jazz against Jokic, reigning MVP, so wildly talented, and the Denver Nuggets. Stay with us. We'll wrap up the show. Get some feedback next. Ninety-seven five twelve eighty the zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This is unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. My mom used to tell me, everyone's going to get theirs. It all it all comes back in the end. Everyone's going to get theirs at the end of the day. And, and it just might be BYU's turn to get theirs. BYU fan loves that idea. All I'm saying. I will say, the BYU fan... Loves the idea of going, uh, we don't actually need you that much. And actually maybe mean it. In their best USC voice, by the way. <laughs> oh, darling. I don't think I want to go up to Salt Lake City this year. I'd rather play in Los Angeles. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day, you know what it's like? It's like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. You can save, get this, 40 to 70% of name brand appliances. That's a lot of money. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every single day. So visit thriveappliance.com, thriveappliance.com, to shop their updated inventory. Thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. All right, feedback I put out there. BYU is going to, uh, Tom Holm is going to be meeting with the uh, media folks today. What's it, at 3 o'clock? Is that what it is? All right. Wake me up at 2.45, make sure I'm there on time. Because uh, I'm going to head down. Uh, let's see. Uh, any update on the old Provo High as an athletic facility? Progress on assistant coaches' contracts. I think they made progress on assistant coaches' contracts. And there were all sorts of rumors that they're going to build a new stadium at Provo High because they took that over and and centralize the uh, athletic uh, facilities so they're right there. Or maybe build a new a basketball arena. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, will BYU pay the buyout to join the Big 12 in all sports except football next season? Uh, you know, I've heard that's a possibility uh, that they could put their sports in starting next year. So, in what's the well, fall sports? What do they start August of uh, this year? That'd be awesome. We can ask Tom that if uh, of that's if that's the case. When will the 2023 football schedule be finalized? When will we know which three, four non-conference games for 2023? Will they keep the 2023 football home opener versus Tennessee? Yeah, I think they've got to figure out also about uh, how many conference games that the Big 12 wants to play. That's the thing. you got to know yeah. how many conference games you're playing. The funny right. thing is BYU hasn't even announced their 2022 schedule officially yet. We know what it is. They just yeah. haven't officially formalized it. And, you know, there's talk about uh, the situation of maybe eight conference games and no divisions. So f- for years of 
controlling their schedule, now they don't have as much control. But I mean, they know that obviously, and they're they're very comfortable doing that. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, and somebody wants to uh, bang on them, how he feels about the historical and present day treatment of students that have same sex attraction. It's an embarrassment. It's a black eye on the church. I don't know what to tell you on that. <laughs> I, that's their thing, and I don't know that it's changing. And there you go. And I get it. It's emotional. It's an emotional issue. And I have approximately zero solutions or answers to that. I am not your guy. Uh, uh, to be able to uh, to see that. Uh, let's see. Oh, how much are they going to pay to get Jackson Dart to BYU? <laughs> when is Jackson Dart committing to BYU? Now, I've been told all week that it's Old Miss. So take it for what it's worth. Who does he want our Big 12 rival to be? Yeah, it's just going to be the same thing there as with Utah and Colorado. You're not going to have one. You're one. I don't know why we're running from this, though. What's wrong with having an out-of-conference rival? Where does it say they have to be in the same conferences? To me, that gives you something else to sell. You're looking to sell your football program. When we play BYU and Utah, it's going to be national television. There's a long history. It's going to be jam-packed, both stadiums. The emotion of it is going to be so cool. Did you see Kalani as it was apparent at the end of the game that they were going to win? Was there anything like he did then that compares to anything he's done in any of his, what is he going into his seventh season? So he's got six seasons under his belt. And they've had some nice wins. I was there at Wisconsin. I was on the sidelines at Wisconsin. That was gigantic. I took that picture of Mini-Me running into the arms of the Grime Dog. It's out there on Twitter. Also known as Steve Clark. (laughs) I saw it from about 30 yards away because you could see Steve Clark. Jeff Grimes liked to stay on the field. uh, Clark must have been up in the booth. I'm not sure on that. But I saw him running, and I had my camera. Oh, i got to take a picture of this. Leaping into his arms. Still, there was nothing that compared to what Kalani was doing when he was going to win that game against the Utes the first time. It reminded me specifically of the first time Steve Cleveland and Dave Rose, and Dave Rose is going through some tough times. My heart goes out to him right now. Steve Cleveland and Dave Rose, the first time they beat Utah, I remember it vividly, and it was the same thing. Man, sell that. That is a sellable, tangible thing for both schools. You've got a rivalry that I believe ranks right there, certainly ranks right there with anybody in the West where I've lived most of my, well, all of my adult life. And so that's your rival. Uh, the other ones, they're going to be every conference game is a rival because their conference games matter so much. I understand all that. So there you go. That's a lot of stuff to talk about. And we'll have it for you tomorrow. I'll be down there. I'll be taking notes and playing some of the sound and all that stuff, and we'll we'll hit that tomorrow. Tim Lacombe's going to join me. Jazz get ready to play a huge game against the Memphis Grizzlies on the road. Hopefully the Stars will be back. We'll see how the Stars align for the Jazz 
Ben and Jake Anderson. Uh, what is it? No, it's Ben Anderson and Jake Scott, right? Yeah. They're sitting right there. They're going to come up next. Stay with us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.